0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 171st episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that knows that teaching a player to fish is better than feeding them the hook. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering, finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. At MTG Critic on Twitter, my co-host this week, as always, is Travis Allen, aka at Wizard Bumping, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic: The Gathering.
1: Good afternoon, James.
2: <clears throat>
1: nice, pleasant spring evening here. Got have mend my new digs. I've got what appears to be a little league softball game taking place out in the through my window here. Had a contractor in, told me it would cost me $10,000 to add another window. Just a lovely day. Just a lovely day. (laughs) It's pretty
0: misty on this side of the lake, so I can't quite make you out from this far away.
1: I am closer. I am closer than I was. Uh, So I'm surprised you can't see me. Um, Our show is produced by MTGprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby.
0: MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at coolstuffinc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Travis, what is on our agenda this week?
1: Well, James, this week we have a show in four segments. Segment 1 or Top Movers, the cards that have moved the most in price this week. And again, it's a pretty full list, although nothing's going to keep up with last week. Uh, segment 2, Cards to Watch. James will run. James and I will run through some cards we think have a strong outlook. Segment 3, our Metagame Weekend Review. This week we have an MTG Top 8 link I did not click on yet, so I don't actually know which event it is. It's a modern event. It's the MKM Series 2019 from Paris. Uh, and finally, segment four, topic of the week, we have Dan Fournier back to discuss Modern Horizons and tell us all the cool decks we think uh, might be good are terrible. Um, yeah. So let's jump right in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, specifically, we're going to go over the most important modern cards in Modern Horizons, the ones that are likely to have the biggest impact on the format. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay. So segment one, our top movers. Oh, I shouldn't. I should let you take this one so that I don't have to talk myself up first card of the week is deranged hermit out of Urza's legacy non-foils about 15 to 16 to uh, 30. <laughs> um, I actually wrote about this card two weeks ago on the announcement of squirrels in modern horizons. There's the new deranged hermit instead of uh what is that echo? It has vanishing, um, So I I kind of figured there'd be some additional squirrels to man. This could be either some speculators moving in on it or people trying to get their actual copies. Um, I'm assuming Modern Horizon introduced a fair number of players to the concept of squirrels and might have sent them down a rabbit hole. Uh, So nice little double up. Uh, I'm probably willing to sell 30 here.
0: Oh, yeah. I think if you can get anything over 25, you're probably good to go. I I don't expect squirrels to be a lasting uh, theme in people's uh, priority acquisitions throughout the rest of the summer,
1: yeah you know I was gonna say well it is lasting because it's been around since there's a legacy and people still buy it but uh in lasting in their priority list is a much better way to to frame that
0: yeah life in the loam ultimate masters moving from fourteen to twenty five this is uh, on the back of dredge continuing to do well uh, in modern as well as getting a whole bunch of new potential toys and a whole bunch of lands matters cards in Uh, modern horizons totally unclear whether that adds up to a new deck or not Um, but cycling land certainly is uh, a piece of the puzzle potentially there and there are a couple of other cards we'll be talking about in our review of the set uh, towards the end of the episode
1: this definitely took off the day the onslaught lands were spoiled because i was keeping a close eye on it up till then Um, i was i was trying to was wondering if it was worth the spec at any point for like the last couple weeks Last couple months, really. Um, but the supply has just been so deep, I stayed away. Uh, and then those cycling lands came out. And not only did people like you or I look at that and go, oh, yeah, well, with the onslaught cycling lands, luck from the loam just got pretty sick. Um, people, I don't remember who it was, but less financially minded members of the community said, go get your life, life from the loans now, like within minutes. They're like, well now go buy your life from the loams because here they go. So you had players who wouldn't normally be inclined to be thinking quite like that. Were being told by their content creators to go, to go buy them. Um, so the, the supply is still very deep, but I think a lot of people kind of went to the well and, and moved that number.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the original foils from onslaught are very, very old. Um, and there was pro traders that were in on that speculatively uh, probably as early as two months ago when uh, it seemed like cycling could easily be a thing they might want to stuff in here. We were expecting like Astro Slide or Lightning Rift. We didn't get Rift. We did get an updated version of Slide and we got the Onslaught Land. So some somebody's holding a small pile of these uh, original foil commons and uh, is probably going to do pretty well on them.
1: Uh, I was just talking about Life from the Loam. Sounds like you were referring to Trank like the the lands themselves though, right?
0: Yeah, but I'm just saying as an extension of Life in the Loam okay. being uh, rising on as a reaction to Cycling Lands, Cycling Land foils were already on the agenda months ago because we, we, you know, it wasn't just that Cycling Lands triggered Life in the Loam. We were talking about Life in the Loam, Ultimate Masters, uh, Box toppers at the same time we were talking about the Onslaught Lands.
1: I gotcha, I gotcha. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Yeah, those cycling lands have been in short supply for a while. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, Thran Turbine out of Urza Saga non-foils. So we believe this is based on Urza himself. Um, It adds two mana for artifact activations, or for activations in general, but probably activations. So it's sort of like a soul ring, but not entirely. But if you're playing Urza, you probably have a bunch of artifacts in your deck. It can be generating two mana every upkeep. Uh, so there is some ah, but see, use for it, it there. It's
0: actually three because Urza taps artifacts to make blue.
1: Ooh, there you go.
0: So, And then his ability is five, right? So if you've got a soul ring and then this thing, then you've got the five to keep like to start firing off your Urzas. Then pretty soon after that, you drop a Paradox Engine. Then you're untapping your stuff every time you, you cast a non-land permanent and away you go.
1: That makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't think I mean, Cliff was like, whoa, that's crazy. Um, on multiple occasions, but I, I don't think it's actually that crazy. I think it makes the deck. Um, not that it makes the deck work, but that it will make the 99. Um, so, speaking of the Onslaught Cycling Lands, Tranquil Thicket Foils going from 22 to 50. As I said, people were you know picking those up in a speculative fashion over the last few months, but once it became concrete, they're now headed about as high as you can possibly expect them to get. Uh, short of a modern deck making constant use of these and I don't know, I'm 50-50 on whether that deck will emerge. There seems to be more pieces for a you know land recursion-themed deck in Modern Horizons than almost anything else, but nothing that really jumps out at me as being a absolute slam dunk, that's going to be a thing.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that the most uh, germane components here are the cycling lands with Life from the Loam. That's just a ridiculous card engine if you want it. Uh
0: and then and then you throw tectonic reformation and run in six into the mix and a few of the other cards in the set, and you start to wonder whether you've got a critical mass of synergy.
1: Yeah, and I think it almost sounds like the issue, like the life from the loma cyclone lands is a pretty absurd engine, I, especially when you pair it with fetch lands. But it's just sort of like, is it enough? Like, does it does it do something? Is that engine getting you someplace? And that seems like that's where the question is: is is does, you know is that a means to an end or is you know, paying five mana to draw three cards as many times as you want is at the end unto itself. Because if it is, that's yeah, not winning you games.
0: Well, potentially it's leaning into the uh, new seismic assault that makes bears instead of doling out shocks, um, or some combination of the bear generator and uh, seismic assault. But it mm-hmm. could be something entirely different. Like there's the blue, the green, red guy that deals damage equal to the number of lands in your graveyard um, mm-hmm. when he comes into play. There's there's S- a lot of pieces here. So Oh yeah. We'll see. For sure. And I have I have sat down at plenty of modern
1: tables with seismic assault in my deck. <laughs> I was I I wanted that to work, so I hope it would be really cool if it does. Um, so I've ne- just been burned by four.
0: <laughs> not, next on the list, psionic sliver from time spiral foils from eight bucks to about eighteen for about hundred and forty percent gain. Slivers of course um not not clear they're going to Be a ton better in Modern, but certainly the first sliver turns people's attention back to them for Commander purposes. So all sorts of random sliver foils that have been out of print for a while have been uh, seeing strong gains, and I've sold a ton of them, so the demand is real. Um, Zadahedron Grinder, Masters 25, foils from 2 to 5. This is on the back of Feather, uh, a trailing spike, if you will. Um, This is not the first time people have taken a swipe at the card. That happened pretty early on, shortly after Feather was spoiled and people started talking about both Zada and Mirror Wing Dragon as a way to, um, you know, get additional copies of the cantrips that Feather casts every turn and apply them to tokens and other small creatures that are on your side of the board.
1: Yeah, I, I really like Zada. I have a deck based on her and I'm sure she'll be insane in Feathers, but there's a lot of supply out there, especially since she was an uncommon in Masters 25. So I would be taking any foils you had and by listing them at this point, I don't really want to chase that feather has been very popular for a hot minute here, but I don't think that she's going to be lasting in the way that a her Bray or wind grace has been. Um, so, and then once she kind of falls back, uh, Zada will lose a lot of her steam as well.
0: Entirely possible um all right so then we had blur sliver and also may as well mention hibernation sliver blur sliver foils going from a dollar to three yeah slight movement um hibernation sliver from the premium deck series sliver that's the only foil version i think because the original was in stronghold which didn't have foils so those going from two to six not a huge uh, surprise almost 200% gains Higere the Stillwind out of Betrayers of Kamigawa, non-foils going from 5 to over 10. Ninjas, of course, got some new play pieces, um, mostly, I think, from a commander perspective. Definitely didn't feel like we have enough components for ninjas to matter in modern. Um, oh, no way. Out of modern horizons.
1: Yeah. Can I tell you that I think that the ninjas are probably a plant for standard?
0: Keep in mind that we have the Wanderer, um, character that was apparently not Ugin, um, that was definitely- Wait, was that
1: confirmed?
0: Well, it can't have been Ugin because in the story, that's not how Ugin appears. Like, my theory that oh, I was really? I was floating on the internet was that the Wanderer shows up, does her thing, and then throws off her hat and morphs into Ugin and then attacks Bolas. But that's not what happens in the story. So, um, oh. so as far as we know, the Wanderer is a plant for, you know, wherever that character is going to be from or is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, woven into the story at some point. Unlikely that that character was introduced pointlessly. So... Yeah. Um, you know, that was an Asian-themed character. There are a few other new Planeswalkers that are similarly themed that could be from uh, either Japanese or or uh, Chinese-inspired worlds. Who knows when or if we will get them? Um, but I guess we shall see.
1: You know what I just realized? We had the faux Japanese world with spirits and we had the like south american mayan aztec dinosaur one and i wonder if we're gonna get like a wild west we had egypt and i wonder if we're gonna get wild west one day i mean or what- like they, they don't have gun they don't have pistols and bandoliers right but they're gonna be like it's gonna be dusty and there's gonna be a standoff and you know the horses they'll bring horsemanship back
0: you, you can do a like you can probably do like a dark tower version of that Stephen King's Dark Tower book series certainly has a kind of fantasy slash western thing going on the whole time um, as it weaves in and out of other genres. And I could see them maybe doing that, especially if there are major pop culture things going on that lead them in that direction. Because <laughs> undeniably, magic narratives have tended to echo things that are going on in the at the top levels of mainstream culture. Um, If you go back and and look at the pairings of, you know, what movies or shows were a big deal in the years that we got Innistrad or Dragons of Tarkir or um, uh, a variety of other sets, you will find that there are some strong similarities. I mean, War of the Spark, having strong analogs to uh, the Avengers Endgame is not a coincidence.
1: Well, they definitely, um, I mean, they came right out and said the reason for... uh in was because horror movies and vampires were having such a renaissance. Twilight American was a big deal right, media. right, right, right. Are you? Is Con's supposed to be for Game of Thrones? Is that yeah. what you're thinking?
0: Mm-hmm. There was, was a bunch, that at the... a bunch of factions warring and having dragons involved. Totally.
1: Was that the right timing for that?
0: Yep. We got eight years of Game of Thrones. It's been that long. That was about when I think the Dragon Queen started her like becoming a prominent figure in the storyline.
1: The so first episode was 2011. Damn, I did not realize it was that long ago.
0: Yeah, they took a sweet, their sweet time with that series. So anyway, um, entirely possible we get more ninjas, entirely possible we get more snow. Um, I've been musing as to whether we're getting Kaldheim, the kind of Norse-themed uh, set. And somebody showed a picture on our Discord today of Garak hanging out in a desolate wasteland that might have been snowy, um, carrying mm-hmm. some kind of like head or something in his hands mm-hmm. um and apparently it was sourced from the instagram account of a magic artist a while back and then was promptly removed
1: Ooh, that's that's good to know
0: usually a good good indicator that something's coming so i and garrick was noticeably absent in war of the spark where people thought he might show up so and would really fit well in a nordic type environment so it would not surprise me at all to find out that we end up in one and that he's hanging out. Um, him fighting ice giants and stuff sounds like good fun.
1: Yeah, maybe he found that the curses lessened or slowed or weakened when he's in a really cold environment or something. So he's been hiding out in frozen wastes in order to keep himself uncursed as much as possible. Ooh, and then they can do s- snow wastes.
0: Sure, I mean I snow got colors. I got baited into buying some ancient amphitheaters <laughs> foils really <laughs> cheap for like three dollars or something in Europe. I only bought like four or five, but they on the basis they they were giving us revealing some giant cards in modern horizons that didn't really pan out. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it leads me to wonder whether I mean we didn't get a really fully formed snow theme didn't get a really definitely didn't get a fully formed giant theme so wonder both of which could show up on call time. So I'm curious whether those are plants for the short term or the long term. Well, you know, they did
1: say that this was sort of the second time spiral. Um, And you'll recall that the third set in the time spiral block was Future Sight, which was loaded with cards that were references for things to come in Magic. Um, It referenced Planeswalkers before they existed and Ugin and all sorts of other odds and ends. So maybe... uh, Yeah, so it's possible that well, they said that this is supposed to be the modern horizons is a, you know, a time, the second time spiral, the subtext there could have been, it's also the second future site.
0: Yeah, well, or at minimum, they extracted some cards that didn't make it into the, the standard set file, because they were either too strong for standard or didn't quite make sense in the environment they were trying to create, and yep. that they offloaded them to the modern horizons design file, which as we've been told, was a relatively hastily pulled together and shifted in its focus halfway through. So, part of that shift in focus may have been a, a need to, to import sub themes from other forthcoming sets and would have set up a reasonable um, scenario for plants since those cards were, you know, being transferred backward in time to a set that was coming out sooner. Um, yeah. You know, but entire. One of the things that's kind of interesting is we are now in June and we have no idea what the fall set name is. Mm-hmm. That's unusual. And we usually, we usually, yeah, we usually know,
1: know that yeah. before War of the Spark would have come out, we would usually know.
3: Yeah,
0: leaks or no leaks, they typically we would have an announcement as to what the name of the fall set was. But there's so much going on this summer, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, that it makes sense that they want to dole out the hype <laughs> at a more even pace. So I suspect that once Core Set has, we're going to get that information somewhere around the Core Set release.
1: Yeah, I mean, War of the Spark has barely been legal and standard for more than a couple weeks, right? And they were, that was a huge storm turning point. They could not distract from that at all. And then right after that, my, they, you know, letting the Modern Horizons, you know, excitement get going. So they really are just trying to avoid stepping on their own toes, which is why the timing of all of this, like the, and the spoilers for Modern Horizons and the, pro tour dates and all that has just been nonsensical because it seems like they completely got in their own way things are things are
0: moving so fast I had a Russian foil dread arcanist in my cart on eBay last night and like 23 shipped and I balked out at it and they jumped because of legacy uh it doing well in legacy lately and somebody bought it and I was like oh geez I've had months to buy that and then I was like wait no I didn't Wore the spark a month ago I didn't mm-hmm. have months to buy that at all. Things are going so quickly. Things that were specs three weeks ago. I feel like it was like nine months ago.
1: Yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, all right, let's catch back up here. I think we're on Whisper Silk Cloak. Yeah. Foils out of Darksteel, 5 to 15. Oh, this, this foil is so rough because it's from Darksteel. Um, I'm guessing this is ninjas, but but like that's the closest thing I can pick because it makes your creatures unblocked. Uh, but Whis- Whisper Silk Cloak is really useful in EDH. It's in a ton of decks. Um, I've gone to that well more than once. Um, it just gives you the ability to just force a creature through, which is great if you've got someone who you really want to deal combat damage with or you want to be able to attack with um, unfettered. Uh, so it's a, it's a useful tool, and we just haven't gotten another good foil of it, I don't believe. Like, it's not in M25 or anything like that.
0: No, it was in Magic 2010 and 2011 uh, with, yeah. with inferior art. Um, and older. Yeah, so those foils are around. Quite old. Yeah, those foils are around, but none of them have been printed recently. So it's actually... It surprises me a bit that it took it this long to get there.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So next we've got Unearthed Foils out of Urza's Legacy. This is one of your picks from way back. And I don't think you at all had a clue that it was going to be in Modern one day. But here we are, um, 13 to 40. And I would actually argue that market has been even higher than that this week. I sold a couple of Near Mints at 50 and some LPs closer to 40. So... Demand is real. I mean, a card that comes in a modern from Urza's Legacy, one of the first sets to ever have foils, if not the first set. Uh, the first. The first. Uh, <laughs> those foils are going to be worth some cash. So I was not at all surprised to sell them.
1: Yeah, I am prescient, uh, even when I don't realize it. So you're welcome, everyone. Yeah. No. I don't own any.
0: <laughs> Sadly. So, Forgotten Cave out of Onslaught, similarly to Tranquil Thicket, those uh, foils going from 7 to 25. Glistener Elf from New Phyrexia going from 5 to 20, because people think that between the new Canopy Land, the blue-green one, and Scale Up, um, the clock for Infect might be a beat faster, and Infect might be just that much better in modern... Uh, and there weren't a whole lot of Glistener Elf foils sitting around. I think it's only ever gotten a foil in New Phyrexia, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Uh, it was in one of the Modern Masters, I thought.
0: Uh, let me double check that. Uh, F&M promo and New Phyrexia, and that's it. FNM promo, that's what it was. I was pretty sure I had a second one. Yeah. So the f promos are still in the 5 to $6 range and might be worth thinking about. Uh, supply on those is not uh, super shallow yet. Uh, actually no i'm lying they pretty shallow shallow yeah make that an honorary pick <laughs> i think you just go ahead and buy the M promos at this point they're gonna end up being 10 to 15 within the year
1: uh yeah i mean you know someone else was writing about in fact and they didn't think scale up was good enough and i i respected their take on it um so it might not get there and i feel like that deck is sort of let me put it if scale up doesn't get it i guess i don't really see how the deck gets better Uh, like it's just it's already full of one drops that are hyper efficient. Like, how much? What else does that deck need to keep going? I don't know. Uh, But at the same time, if this is any play whatsoever, those FNM promos are going to be looking pretty good.
0: I've seen a mixture of responses from pros. They don't seem to have uh, reached a consensus yet, which is usually a good thing. Um, we've got maze of ith out of eternal masters foils going from 25 to over a hundred. If you believe that, I think that probably targeting something in the 60 to $80 zone to sell these is more realistic. I picked some of these up when I noticed it was draining, uh, several weeks back out of Europe. So looking forward to unloading three or four copies into the market. Um, hundred plus is, is too much, too much. Uh, but a double up should still be possible here.
1: Yeah, I don't really understand these prices at all, but I caught that this went wild a couple of days ago, and that the cheapest price at the time was for the realms copies was two hundred and fifty dollars, after having been twenty two dollars. And I was like, uh, okay, so I listed mine at a hundred just to see if I could get anyone to buy, and nobody did, unfortunately. Um, so I don't really know what's going on here. Did somebody just decide to clean these out? The, like, uh,
0: I, EMA foil rares and mythics have been draining kind of one by one in order of significance. And I think somebody took a swipe at a relatively small pile of these, but it was, had already drained to the point where uh, it was an inevitability, whether it happened that week or four weeks later, it was going to happen. Um, and then whatever, you know, ridiculous prices being posted is to be ignored, Um you know that that doesn't <laughs> matter. That doesn't matter until <laughs> somebody pays the price and then pays it again. Um, so I, I suspect that we're going to see copies flow back into the market in that sixty to you know max a hundred zone. UDH players have well, a lot of things to buy this year, and they're not going to throw it all into one card.
1: Right, and it's worth pointing out that the realms market price is still twenty two dollars, so nobody is biting there yet.
0: Yeah, I mean FTV is is always going to trail behind. Um, so, care more about the EMA copy.
1: Sure. Sure. Which is fair, fair enough. Uh, Boggart Shenanigans foils out of Lorwin, uh, about a little under $4, like 350, dollars $4 to supposedly $20. Um, this is an enchantment that makes tokens. Or, no, I'm sorry. When a goblin you control dies, you can have it deal one damage to a player. Um, so, if you eat your board it shocks it deals one damage to them for every creature that died and then you pair that with palladia or not palladia mons something mons palachuk mons um that does the same effect so you can kind of double up on it so maybe this is people thinking they want to build the edh deck um with mons maybe it's people i it's got to be people who want to play in edh not people who want to play it in modern well i hope it's not people that want to play in modern it can't
0: be it can easily be people that think somebody's going to want to play it in modern um, you know we have munitions expert that we got that's the black red for 1-1 flash when it enters the battlefield you may have it deal damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the number of goblins you control I'm not sure people have wrapped their head around that that's a flash goblin not something you see every day and can deal the final 4-5-6 points of damage relatively easily in a go wide goblin strategy so there's something there like there's probably a janky tier 3 deck um worth exploring for funsies (laughs) unlikely to top eight anything but i don't know goblins is right on the borderline right like from a couple of different angles whether it's go wide go or um you know some mixture of goblins plus burn there's a there's a lot of power that has now been introduced into the format it's just not clear that those decks have any significant advantage over just straight burn or red white burn
1: yeah, I still don't think Goblins is there. I just don't think they have the depth and breadth of tools that the other tribes do.
0: But well, I think that the build that is has done the best isn't a traditional Goblins build. It's more the 8-whack build. The whole the like combo aggro approach where they get a whole bunch of things on the table really quickly. And then use the Bushwhacker, the two Bushwhacker cards to get an attack bonus and try to sweep up the, sweep up the game. Mhm. And which is and a lot of the... arguably not a goblin deck. Sure. It's not about goblin synergies per se. All yeah. right. So, moving right along trying to scoop up the rest of this list, uh Lightning Rifted Onslaught foils going from $1.50 to 9 EDH cycling, potential, I suppose. Um interesting since we didn't get it in modern, so it must be commander demand. Uh, Changeling Titan at Alorwyn Foils being pushed a dollar fifty to ten. We got all sorts of new changelings, and we got Morophon. so people could be thinking that they want to slide that into Morphon de- decks. Um, Alchemist Vile at a Magic Origins Foils going from fifty cents to four dollars. Apparently, that's on the back of a Boros deck and Popper making use of the card. I think is a three of
1: <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not?
0: And then Quicksilver, uh, our biggest gainer of the week, apparently, from Legion's foils from $1. fifty to fifteen. Pretty sure I've got a few of those sitting around. We'll see if I can sell them at like $9.99 or something.
1: Good luck. I think you're going to need it.
0: Uh, a lot of random slivers have been moving, so I think it's... As long as you're not super deep on any of these, I think you're going to be just fine.
1: Well, you know, the prices are definitely jumping. I, uh, You know, on our sheets here, I guess the question is how many people are actually pulling the trigger after
0: the fact. That we
1: we're still unclear on. Clearon. Well, I mean, I, um, I hope I, I've, I hope they sell.
0: I've sold lots of, as I'm saying, lots of these rando sliver, sliver foils. Been moving from, you know, a variety of different sets, everything from M14 back. So,
1: no, uh, none of mine have sold yet, but maybe I'm just selling the wrong ones. are or, or you or you're being
0: greedy. Your prices do tend to be high.
1: They are. <laughs> they
0: are. <laughs> so, cards to watch this week got a couple of interesting ones. Uh, the planeswalkers out of War of the Spark are the gift that keeps on giving. I think I've got another one lined up here. Vivian Champion of the Wilds is making appearances in standard, in modern, in commander. Uh, it's a rare, not an uncommon. And it is foils are currently about eight bucks. I could see a 12 to 18 month hold, especially if it stays relevant in standard, which seems likely, given the number of cards that are gonna fall off the uh agenda or off the roster in the fall when rotation occurs, and the kind of open-ended general power level of Vivian that doesn't require any particular set to be um, currently legal. Like, her abilities are not set-specific. They are just generally good, if you're looking for the card types that she supports. Um, And so I think that as a green utility card, she has... Probably has long legs in all of the formats. Modern being the sketchiest of the three, clearly, where the power level is especially high. But she's showed up in four different archetypes in modern so far, um, and on that basis alone, feel pretty confident that her foils will eventually be over fifteen dollars.
1: I don't. I don't understand who who's playing this in why? coral
0: helm combo deck like, Vanifar evolution decks devoted company decks okay, coral helm and bant Kirin's conjurent have all run it recently
1: coral helms the coral helm combo deck
0: wants Yeah, apparently and in the in the why? bant kiran's conjurent well cuz your creature spells are are gain flash right so you can bring your you can play your combo at end of turn
2: yeah
0: no,
1: well, I mean, that's yeah, suspicious to me. But p- if people are playing it, they're playing it. And honestly, the supply on this is actually a lot lower than I would expect. There's only about 30 some odd vendors with foil copies on TCG player for a very like a very recent standard set. I would expect to see twice as many vendors. War. So uh, apparently, I mean, there's real people are really chewing yeah, through it. And
0: here. I mean, war is extremely popular. It has had some distribution issues. Uh, there are a lot of good cards in the set that are good in Commander. The Commander, if you look at the results from War of the Spark, there are already 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. 35 cards that are already reported in 500 plus decks. That's a lot compared to your average set. This, The set yeah, is, really really, is really, really deep. And... Again, I go back to my comments from a couple of weeks ago where I was saying that I think war boxes. Like, if you are just a casual armchair financier who barely likes to lift a finger, you could do a lot worse than stashing some war boxes into the closet for a few years. Because there's just there is so much minimum commander value in here, and it actually so happens that there is a ton of modern legacy and vintage play out of these this set, much more than we get in the average standard set. Um, between for sure and. Couple other interesting points. I mean, while we're on the topic of you know report EDH uh, deck reporting, Karn's Bastion and Bolus Citadel are still holding up. When we had Jason on, he was thinking like maybe those were going to fade from the, the top five ranks from the set. Nope, Karn's Bastion still number one at fourteen hundred and sixty three decks reported. Citadels at thirteen twenty one. And the two planeswalkers that you guys said that weren't going to uh, be that big a deal in Commander that I said probably would because people are assholes. Turns out I was right. Narset Parter avails is number 2 at 13.56 decks, and Ashiok Dream Render is number 5 at
1: 12.14. Now who's the asshole? And I <laughs> said Ashiok was going to be good in EDH. It was Narset that I was suspicious of. Uh,
0: I seem to remember a conversation where you said that Ashiok Dream Render, um, was, because it uh, spells and abilities your prevalence control can't cause your control to search the library, wasn't going to be enough to get it in the deck. But I'd have to go back and listen to, listen to the episode.
1: What what I said was each individual ability there was underwhelming, but as a all together they worked. I was like, I wouldn't play a card that just prevented people from searching, but because you get to exile everyone's graveyards as well a couple times, like, both of those together make him worth running. But Narset I didn't think was good enough, and I don't know. I mean, I think everybody
0: underestimated Narset. Like, when I bought 140 copies of it, it wasn't because I had some kind of prescient understanding of how great the card was. I just had read a couple of articles where pros seemed high on the card, and I thought, you know what, like... Three mana planeswalker that shuts down card draw seems good at 50 cents or whatever it was. So I was thinking, like, maybe I'd get to a dollar. I wasn't re- like, I ran a survey this week. What will Narset's price be, non foil English, in December of 2020? I think I said. And the consensus was that it was probably between four and eight dollars. I mean, that is going to be a real nice spec if it gets up over four. <laughs> Um, so number four on that list, interestingly enough, since we're in the zone on that, is Narcissus Reversal. Um, so I think those foils are are worth targeting. You're going to end up on our list one week. Spark Double, Jace Wielder of Mysteries, Evolution Sage, Liliana Dreadhorde General, and Ugin the Ineffable, Ineffable, um, round out the top ten. And there are great cards all the way down into that 35, 40, even top 50 cards in the set. It really is a fantastic set.
1: The the it is deep it is definitely deep um and so i like you said i think people who will who want to don't who don't want to do anything and just want to buy something and sit on it that uh should just buy war of the spark and also if uh vivian's seen as much play as it sounds like um then sure that you know that that's fine um i think it's odd that it would be good in modern but if it's but you know I don't know everything and if she's that popular in standard if she's seen playing multiple archetypes in standard and we're gonna lose all those cards and that does look pretty good for her for her outlook and like I said the supply was low.
0: All right, talk uh, to me about your first card.
1: Yeah, first card this week. Uh, I'm gonna do this in reverse order. I really like Counterflux. Counterflux is the blue red counterspell that can't be countered from Return of the Ravnica. It's got one other printing from one of the commander sets, Commander 2015, but it's still only got the one foil. Um three monic counters it's a counter spell that can't be countered and you can overload it to counter all spells you don't control. I don't think that comes up too often, but it is an option. Um it is in over six thousand EDH decks, so it's fairly popular. Um and it is quite popular, reasonably popular in modern as well, and especially as decks move to diversify their counterspell threat or their counterspell suite you all you you really see counterspell pop up frequently um it's usually not like a four of but you're definitely seeing people playing with this card over and over and over again and there are at uh currently 11 vendors who have foil copies on tcg player for a total of like uh 17 copies this is like 15 16 English copies so supply is like nothing there's like 15 English foil copies on TCG player that's it um, so supply is really low the card is pl- very playable in modern very playable in EDH um, it's old right we're talking return the Ravnica so that's like f- six years now um, so not- nothing too complicated here it just looks pretty good
0: yeah it's interesting it's mild demand in the form of a one or two of inside boards and it gets played in Grixis Delver, Blue Moon, Is It Jace, Leveler combo is the new one. And uh, more importantly, shows up in uh, Blue Red Arclight Phoenix as a one-of-in-the-sideboards. So if the supply was deep and it was a one-of-in-sideboards, I'd say steer clear. But single mm-hmm. printing, unlikely to see a reprint uh, anytime soon. It's just kind of an awkward card to sh- shove into a core set or whatever. And outside of that, you're unlikely to see the foil. Um Yeah, I guess he's stashing a few of these away and checking back in in a year and hopefully buy lists have risen to the point where you can unload them where you just flip a couple copies on eBay or TCG and you're probably doing just fine.
1: Well, they're right now they're five ish bucks, five, maybe six bucks. I think when they sell out, I think they relist at 20 just because there's just not going to be that many left. And you're absolutely right. Like as a one or two, two up, it's not like you're. The, the the road to an empty supply is much longer than if people were snapping up playsets left and right. But that's why we're talking about it now and not three years ago.
0: So I can't really criticize that pick without first doing a mirror check on my next pick.
2: <laughs> because
0: I can't remember the last time I called out a foil uncommon from the most recent standard set and said that at $30 it was cheap. But again, Narset Parter of Veils is important in EDH, Modern, Legacy, and Vintage. People in Legacy and Vintage are straight up pissed about the card, and there's discussion. People are already using the ban word um, because they're addicted to brainstorms or whatever and don't like to have their frustrations laid bare on the table, I suppose. Um, You'd be lucky to find copies at 30 at this point. When I first looked at it the other day, they were about 28 to 30. Now they're getting closer to 35. And I'm thinking that in the very short term, within the next six weeks, you're going to see Narset of Avail foils go to $50 for a foil the next, uncommon.
1: The next couple of weeks, you said?
0: Yeah. I think I don't think it's going to take more than four weeks for $50 foil Narsets to be the only thing left in the market. Here, here, Here's the thing. People think of Uncommons as being just like all over the place. Like you just buy a box of War of the Spark and you're going to get a foil Narset. Nah, 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 nah. If you actually have ever cracked packs to any significant extent, you would realize that getting you get basically one maybe two foil uncommons per box. There are dozens of uncommons in the set. So finding a specific foil uncommon takes cases and cases of action. And it as when the market moves as quickly as it is now from set to set to set Everybody is already on from buying War of the Spark and into Modern Horizons, and after Modern Horizons, they're going to be on Core 2020, and after Core 2020, they're going to be buying their Commander set decks for the year, and then we're on to the Fall set. War will still be opened all year long, because stores are still going to need to crack it to replenish singles, and people are still going to be buying it here and there, but no ones I, I, I would guess that as soon as Horizons drafts hit, War drafts will basically shut down, and there may be some revisiting of that. We're already in the summer season. The summer season is a low point for Magic, generally, and it's weird because the best sets of the year are are, are piled up in the summertime. So we're going to be in a very strange situation here that is contributing to why Narset can be riding the scythe
1: yeah i mean she's been really popular lately for sure uh honestly my biggest concern here and the reason i was asking about the timetable was i i think that she could get banned in at least one format and possibly two um she's looking real shady in uh possibly standard and modern most likely so i, I can't that, see that's
0: her. i can't see her catching a band in standard i don't think she's a problem in standard Um, And I don't think she's going to get banned in Modern. I think that if the bans are most likely uh, Legacy Vintage, and that doesn't matter. Like, I don't think that's why the foils are are so high. Um, Well, they can't
1: ban her in Vintage, right? (laughs) Sure they can. Uh, In Vintage? They're going to ban her in Vintage? Why couldn't they? They have no cards on the ban list other than Dexterity cards. But they have a
0: restricted list.
1: Well, that's not banning.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, effectively it would be... uh, close to a banning as she can get there but again just doesn't matter and i think those are the formats that are most likely for her to catch a problem the other thing is those formats are so powerful and so off the radar for wizards even if that happens that could be months or years from now like that's not going to be a priority situation for them to resolve
1: well, that's and that's why I asked about your timetable. Uh, if you're looking at a couple weeks, it's hard for me to say no. If she's thirty five, if if she's already thirty five, if the demand is high enough that they, she's gotten to that point, then yes, I'm with you on fifty dollars. I think that that's very viable. Uh, she's showing no signs of slowing down. Uh, most players probably haven't gotten in on their copies yet because they were kind of waiting to see if she was a real deal, and it's clear that she is. And my biggest concern is her getting blanked in a couple formats, but that's not going to be tomorrow um that would be probably in the fall at the absolute earliest and even then probably not it could be a, a bit longer so yeah i mean I if mean, you were thinking about getting them get your place set now and then you know you got a good price on foils that you can possibly sell in a month if you want
0: and take a look at the tcg listings like this ladder is ridiculous one listing at 33 with five dollar shipping so effectively on tcg it's already a 38 eight dollar card not a 35 five dollar card then you got 40 43 and it marches right up the ladder to like 55 so that's real steep and unlikely to retrace there's just no there is copies are not going to come into the market fast enough to replenish that and i think a lot of people that open this card in foil are just going to keep it because yeah at, at minimum it's a good edh card so there's not a huge impetus to dump that at a vendor if you pick it up in a draft and it clearly isn't happening because the the copies are not flowing into the market the market is net negative on copies and continues to be so so you know the, the the there's a couple of people on twitter that no matter anytime i talk about a card's price they're always talking about how it's wrong that the that the price you know somebody said to me when i brought this card up a couple of people said things like it's only an uncommon i just i don't think people understand the math around Yes, uncommons are less common than rares and mythics, but if they are, if their popularity is high enough, then it overtakes the relative difference in the print run.
1: Yeah, it feels like you know a good rule of thumb would be for every format that it's in, you can reduce the uh, rarity level of the card for it to be profitable. Like if it's a single format card, it needs to be mythic in order for you to kind of like be able to spec on it. If it's a two format card, you can do rare. If it's in three formats, you know, two and a half, three formats. Well, now on commons are on the table. Like there's enough demand that it supports prices, you know, even to that depth. Uh, And I guess if you had like a super staple like Treasure Cruise, which was the staple in everything, now you had foil commons that were worth money. So there's definitely.
0: Yep. I, I sold Definitely foil rare. russian treasure cruise is over 60 i remember that distinctly
1: Yeah, so i'm actually claiming that as mine that is my thesis that every set every format that the card is r- relative in improves its tier it's it's uh which we'll call it rarity you can go lower on rarity and still have it be worth money yeah I think that, would, your, that would be force. very
0: interesting to test with spec score and i suspect that it would be that might be roughly true
1: Shoot, I have to come up with a good name like the Greater Fool's Theory.
0: (laughs) All right, we'll work on that. So what's your other pick this week?
1: Uh, Other pick this week is real basic um, because I'm not exactly sure where go with Modern Horizons yet. I haven't thought of anything, but I'm sure they'll be out there. But this week, uh, sticking with the basics, Playcrafter, Foils out of Guilds of Ravnica. Guilds of Ravnica, uh, the middle Ravnica set kind of, uh, no, the first one, the first one.
2: Yep, first one.
1: First one, but the most popular card in Guilds of Ravnica for Commander is Playcrafter. Um, this is the new, uh, oh geez, Merciless Executioner, which is the new, uh, shoot, I can't think of the original name of this card. Um, the first version of it. Dang it. The three, uh, the three one? The, yeah, the three mana, three one. Dang it. Oh, it's, um, it's but, escaping
0: me too, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: it's like a fat thing with a leg and a scythe. Uh, foils of this card are currently about five bucks uh, there are 34 vendors uh, and supply's not too deep i see a guy with a channel fireball's got 10 copies at six but other than that you're not seeing you know there's 34 vendors but um you know 15 of them are the only ones below seven uh and like i said it's the most popular card from gills of ravnica that's a new set, and it's already in 4,500 decks. So Guilds of Ravnica has been out for, what, seven months? And it's at 4,500 decks? That's a lot of decks. Keep in mind, counter I was talking about Counterflux at 6,500, and that was like six years ago. Yep. So Playcrafter's gone real fast. Just, it's going to keep showing up and showing up and showing up, just like Merciless Executioner and just like the other fat boy I can't remember the name of. And the other versions of this card had several printings, which helped suppress the price. But until Playcrafter gets reprinted again, it's going to keep going. It's going to be a $12 foil without a reprint. Now, I don't know when that's going to be. They can do it whenever they want, but I don't see them putting it in standard a second time. Um, that's pretty rare. So you've got, probably got at least until Gilzoravnica, or until Gils of Ravnica rotates before they print this in foil again.
0: I, I can get on the on this train, um, and again, it's fascinating. This is a single format, big deal, foil uncommon. We're we're p- pitching it at five to get to ten. Narset being multi format, and she's already at thirty. We're pitching fifty. I mean, it's incredible. Oh yeah, I
1: guess it. I didn't even think about that. That I was talking about an imprint, technically imprint, uh, foil uncommon, yeah, foil, foil uncommon. But like the numbers are backing it up.
0: Yeah, I, it's interesting though. I there are some good cards in Guilds of Ravnica. This one included, obviously, leading the pack. But I'm looking again at how many cards in Guilds of Ravnica are over 1,000 reported decks, and it's only 25.
1: (laughs) Only 25? That still seems like a lot.
0: Well, War of the Spark, though, already has uh, almost 10 over 1,000 on a much shorter timeline. And another 25 or so that are going to be chasing pretty close behind. So, Guilds of Ravnica is a solid set for Commander. War of the Spark is a ridiculous set for Commander.
1: Yeah, War of the Spark is, like, uh, record-setting levels of popularity here.
0: And just relevance. Like, there are so many relevant cards.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's just, it's so full of cards that people are going to want to keep playing.
0: Yep. All right, so my final pick this week is Panharmonicon Foils, which I'm sure was hmm. a pick on this cast at some point around $10. Don't remember if it was mine or yours, but it would have been I, within six months of Kaladesh I, coming out.
1: The question here isn't, was this picked on the show? It was, how many times
0: have we picked this card? At least once, possibly twice. And here's the thing. $10 pan- Panharmonicons were, Mwah. but you waited longer. So if you held off for a while and now you're looking at it and you can get them at like 16 to 18 now's the time because now the the tipping point is actually within reach and you know whether you sat on it from 10 to get to here or picked it up now it's going to be roughly equivalent given the number of times you could have flipped in the interim and 18 to 30 within the year seems very very likely to me in several thousand decks on edh rec uh, works with everything with an enter the battlefield trigger hard to go wrong
1: let's see what is the uh the supply looking like here um so market it's all is at 18 39 vendors yeah the, the, you know what's funny is that when we were talking about this card before it was like eight to ten dollars twelve dollars and the the number of of vendors and amount of supply available was roughly what it's equal to now Um, but the prices are still up to eighteen dollars so you know, a couple copies sell at those cheaper prices and people begin to move their their prices up. You don't have to sell out the card just to raise the price. Uh, you only need to sell a small portion of it before people catch on and start and start bumping their prices up. So that's how we have uh, have this where it is. But in any case, I do like it and I'm going to keep liking it. And it's basically, it's, it's just going to keep going up and up and up and up and that's not going to change uh, until they reprint the card. So it's just a question of when you decide to get on and how long you would decide to stay on for.
0: And they're talking about the commander sets this year being juiced which i take to mean that there's going to be a bunch of five to ten dollar staples printed into those sets panharmonicon is enough years old now that you can see it show up uh in a commander set for sure but it won't be a foil so and then it will provide insulation for the foils for another few years and on that basis alone you go shallow here you go deep either way you're going to do fine
1: yeah agreed agreed um okay let's move on to our third segment of the week uh the mkm series main event in paris this is a modern event taken down by heart and scales uh and this had 280 players so it was not a small event i mean i guess it's kind of small but it's not like you know 50 people
0: yeah i mean i just i picked this one out uh it had a there was a few different events of this size this week we could have uh, run through um obviously we're now kind of Waiting to see what the impact of Modern Horizons will be when it hits the format, but Hardened Scales in first, Humans in second, pretty standard build. Abzan Value finishing in third. Um, this is uh, built around Knight of the Reliquary and Tide Ho- Hollow sculler Wasteland Strangler um, on the back of four Collected Company and four Ether Vial. Pretty weird looking deck that has like elements from a bunch of other decks, and I don't remember seeing this exact configuration. Because there's Wasteland Stranglers, but no Thought Not Seers. And you've got um, Selfless Spirit, but no other spirits, and Flicker Wisps, and a Grim Flare that usually you see show up in Jun decks, like strange, strange deck.
1: Yes, it's kinda all over the place. Wasteland Strangler with no thought not seer and no Eldrazi lands. Yeah. So, they were just playing Wasteland Strangler as a three mana, three two. That they're just playing it as a flamethong Kabu.
0: Yep. Hmm. Interesting. And, the and then, yes. of course, Phoenix deck wins in fourth, which is just the uh, red version of Phoenix. Double Dredge decks in six, uh, fifth and sixth. Celesnia Toolbox showing up in seventh, which was more of the kind of expected version with Vizier Remedies, Four Cord, Four Collected Company, Walking Ballista and four devoted Druid. So the devoted Druid combo, um, I was actually looking at a putting, I was putting together a very uh, random brew today that tried to stuff most of like of the, the Vizier remedies devoted Druid package in alongside the Celestial Kirin uh, Ugin Celebrant con- uh-huh. uh, combo uh-huh. and then running it with Teferi Time Rattler and silence. So <laughs> silence typically bad because they can just play a, uh, you know, in response to it at instant speed. But if they can only play at sorcery speed and you silence in their upkeep, their turn is over.
2: Yeah, that's
1: amusing.
0: And then you've got, if you've got two combos in the deck and you're running, say, a couple of Eladomri's Call to go get the, whatever creature you're missing out of Kirin, Celebrant, uh, Vizier, and Devoted Druid. And running a couple of the Ranger Captain of Eos so that you can search up either Celebrant or um high arc or uh walking ballista if you have the devoted druid vizier uh remedies combo going starts to get sort of interesting i mean still bad i'm sure but at least worth testing
1: uh it's a it's a the, the interaction with the fairy is cute i'll give you that much because it just means that they lose the ability to respond every time you cast that card what would be really funny is if you have to in play, and then you so if you had five mana, right? You resolve to, or even you, you just have four mana. You resolve to ferry. They now can't cast a spell. You pass at the beginning of the, at the end of their upkeep. They still haven't been able to cast a spell. Use silence, right? Because he he's just... They can't cast yeah, instance, right? They can't play... They can't silence, play any, they lose They can only play at
0: sorcery speed. So if you silence in their upkeep and then snap silence again, they are done.
1: Yeah, and then you just, on your turn, untap silence again and then put all your combo pieces in the play and go off. That's it's funny. I'll give you that. That is an amusing little combo.
0: <laughs> and I've been dying to make silence work forever. So... It, uh, it, the it,
1: very first standard deck I brewed was M10 standard with Baneslayer Angels, and I built like a white, I think it was a mono white control deck with like four Wrath of Gods and four Silences. And I remember I was so jazzed about the deck, and I ordered all the pieces. And I kind of, at the time, I, it was kind of going on a limb, like spending that much money for the, for the Day of Judgments, which were like five bucks, and uh, all the various cards that I ordered for. And I was so excited, and I put it together, and then I promptly went like one three FNM, and I was so dejected.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i know silence is still I, silence in the absence of teferi is probably not wise um and it's not because it doesn't have tremendous interactions with anything else in the deck it's not clear that that's anything you want to be doing but i just thought it was cute so i'll probably try it and m- make it my fnm deck for the summer
1: yeah why not um other than that, nothing nothing too wild here. I think hardened scales in first place is probably the most interesting thing. For Ink Nexus, it seems like it could be the go-to, but at 25 bucks a piece, there might not be enough meat left on that particular bone. Uh, other than that, and those animation mod, yeah, nothing. Really, it's probably the hardened scales, honestly, are probably the, the most interesting thing here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the toolbox decks... Got a, got some love in horizon, so I'm curious to see whether one of them crystallizes and kind of puts his head out above the pack and starts top 8-ing on a regular basis. There's there's a, yes. there's a lot of two card combos, and the more at any point, if enough if if they overlap, if there's a piece that works in multiple combos at the same time, and therefore allows you to abuse the London Mulligan rule to find the combo. Which, keep in mind, just got announced this week. London Mulligan rule is official for modern. So all of these kind of, you know, janky combo brews get better.
1: Yeah, as soon as you start mixing that stuff, those types of pieces, that's where it gets crazy. Um, and if you get a redundant piece for, like, the Vizier Remedies or, um, you know, either the other ones, uh, and then it's like, oh, well, I can draw any good combination of these two cards, does it? Then it's like, yeah, that's pretty nuts, especially, like you said, with the Vizier combo. And that's what starts to, to warp formats, honestly. Um. Okay.
0: Okay, we're moving on into segment four here, where we are going to have Daniel Fournier join us to break down all the best, greatest animes of all time and why they are not going to be as cool as the magic <laughs> anime. Travis is looking forward to a six-hour discussion.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, Bleach episodes 1 through 50, uh, the first season of Sword Art Online, Clannad uh, After Story Only, <laughs> or my, <Maya>. uh, <laughs> no, never
1: mind. Hey, happy to be back.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to talk about The reason Ninja you haven't scroll. heard me say anything is I just left, it's gonna be good I just day. left
1: the <laughs> recording as soon as I started. You hear the word anime
0: immediately leave. Oh, right. We're, that's right. We're going over Modern Horizons. Um, Daniel is back to talk us through the most important modern cards from Modern Horizons. Lots of people seem to think that Modern Horizons is more of a commander-focused set than a modern set, but I suspect that we're going to find through this conversation that there are at least... A double handful of cards that are uh, now on the agenda to perhaps join the so, ranks. So, what's your? Yeah. Dan- Thanks Dan- for having welcome me. Welcome back.
1: It's a great pleasure to have you. So much so that I was eager to just start talking to you without even letting you tell us who you are. <laughs> um, so, so our listeners know what's your what's your Twitter handle and some of your accolades, At Terentu, current activities,
3: uh, mostly known for posting. Uh, I post a lot, usually controversially <laughs> and poorly. I, I won a PTQ on Saturday, so that's pretty cool.
1: Oh, yeah. Nice congratulations. Work. Thanks. Get to That is exciting.
3: I got to set up a GoFundMe for Barcelona soon. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm of too so, much so privilege is...
0: to set up a GoFundMe. I will pay my own. So Barcelona is where you will be next joining the Pro Tour? Yeah, it's
3: my, I think, seventh Pro Tour. That
0: will be pretty Congratulations. Pretty
1: Thanks. Can, can you transfer that? Can like I have it?
0: Sure. <laughs> I
3: yeah, don't no, play Magic I,
1: anymore, but...
3: Yeah, no, I got you. No problem. I, did, I didn't want to go anyways. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's the format at Barcelona?
1: Modern
3: Horizons draft. X.
0: And modern. Oh. Is it really? Yeah. And modern. Yeah. Ah, All of a sudden,
3: I've fabulous. been forced to pay attention to it. So
0: Yeah, so so testing this and everything about this set is going to be pretty important to you in the near future.
3: Very certainly will be. All
0: right. So, so.
1: what's your te- 10,000 view... Uh, first impression of Modern Horizons as far as Modern is concerned Force of Negation Really? Yeah, yeah, that's big no, no, I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's it All right, Welcome to the episode Thanks for <laughs> yeah, joining thanks. 171 uh... Yeah, check
3: out our Patreon I don't know if you guys have a Patreon <laughs> but, um, No, th- there's certainly there certainly is a spread of very playable things, there's a spread of build around me cards that I'm very excited to see uh, and there are some obvious power players along the lines of force and negation that I'm very excited to see how they affect the format. It certainly isn't all hits. There's obviously a lot of cards that are there exclusively to like pad out incomprehensible limited strategies or pad out people's commander decks and so on and so forth. but it, there is a mix of it all. It's not all it's not all doom and gloom for the for the naysayers, you know okay. All right.
0: So we've, we've organized the top 20 cards or so that we thought might have significant impact on modern into a tier one list and a tier two list. I know that precast you had already kind of chimed in that some of these you think should be shifted around may not deserve to be on these lists at all. And possibly there's some cards that uh, are on your radar that aren't on ours. So I figured we would, you know, go through uh, these can, kind of reverse order.
1: Can I just take a moment to highlight that this is very much your list, James? And because I also looked at this and took issue with it, but that will be uh, we can we can get into that as we go here.
0: I I have no problem if you guys want to sign off of my list, since the last time we did this with Planeswalkers, (laughs) pretty much all of them ended up being top tier staples. (laughs) So if you guys want to go back and and you know. I, I, you know, hey, I claim, claim some of that feel free I immensely-
1: hey Dan remember the last time you were here and I <laughs> warned you about what would happen if you were on the cast and how James would relish this opportunity yeah
3: yeah I I, most, Listen, I, I immensely regret not understanding how good that Nyssa was specifically that card's unreal
0: Nyssa Chandra Fire Artisan nah Chandra still sucks I was right <laughs> <laughs> it's got a couple of top A's to its name yeah. can't suck that hard eh. Narset, Parter of Veils. All right. So <laughs> we, you, you missed the part of the, the cast tonight where we were debating whether it's going to be a $50 foil uncommon in the next couple of weeks. Ugh, yeah. Probably. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. So, uh, did you know it's $35 already?
0: Yuck. You asked.
3: Yeah, but how much is the non-foil anime Narset, more importantly? <laughs>
0: 25 uh, I only have one. I, and I picked up a ton of those in Tokyo at like $10 a piece. Very smart. Um, all right, so let's jump in here. On do you want to go from the most likely to impact or the least likely to impact? Should we should we cut away the the most obvious cards first? Yeah, I kind of like starting
3: off strong. You know, get that momentum.
0: All up. right. So are we all agreed that the canopy lands are the most likely to see widespread play and impact the greatest number of decks?
3: I think I think that's a fair assessment. Yes, uh, just because of the ubiquity of powerful lands. Being, seeing play kind of across the format, right?
0: And is it to fast-moving decks in the format and lowering their overall land count effectively? I don't know if
3: reach is necessarily the right term, but certainly they provide velocity. Uh, and they, they, they let you continue going at a point in the game where you may or may not be stalling out of momentum. And that's a an effect that's very powerful especially for aggressive strategies I,
1: I i wisely waited till dan answered the question before chiming in with my own answer so that if he <laughs> uh disagree they had a different tact i could reverse course um but yeah i, I i'm also in the agreement that they're probably going to have the most impact and like see the most copies in modern i also think they're the the least interesting cards to, to kind of have that impact, just because most decks are going to, I would imagine, run between one and four, um, because for most decks, the ability to mitigate that kind of land, a- excess lands at the end, l- later in the game is going to be really useful. And the extra couple, the one life or two couple life you might pay over the course of the game, generally not going to be a make or break for a lot of decks uh but at the same time like it's they're not exciting they're not fun like they're just they're just efficient they just make the deck run a little bit better so like i don't even i barely count these they are definitely i mean boring.
0: they're not <laughs> i mean they're not new designs it's horizon canopy the rest of the horizon canopy cycle or a big chunk of it um wait did dan say they are ago.
1: boring or they're not oh yeah they
0: are they are
1: for sure yeah okay but
0: they so i mean they're boring
3: and that people way have that been playing, playing
0: with right i mean people have been playing with horizon canopy for years it's been one of the most expensive lands in the format um and talk a little bit about the decks that they will impact. I've heard talk of them being really great in uh, burn variants, in infect, uh, death shadow being interested in running fiery islet, the blue red one. Um, does that all make sense to you? Um, to a
3: certain degree, it's kind of hard to say because a lot of these decks have never had access to these kinds of abilities in the past, and it's always been specific like mana dork centric decks that have had access to horizon canopy so we know we know exactly how how that kind of effect plays out in those strategies but we don't know how it would play out in for instance something like uh yeah like death shadow for instance that actually wants to run off of very few resources and also wants to be able to control his life total whereas this card these cards kind of make it difficult to control your life total and there's a lot of uh, a lot of decks in the format that certainly aren't going to be interested in having these they aren't uh an instant 4-of, or even a 2 or even a 1-of in a lot of decks. For instance, uh, a Jeskai Control wouldn't, like, explicitly not want Fiery Islet, because it wants to have as many lands in play as possible and wants to find its uh, card advantage elsewhere in cards like Narset, or even like I mean, I'm in love with Hieroglyphic Illumination, but uh, I understand that the more reasonable amongst us are not. Um, but certainly in decks like Burn, definitely in decks like Infect, definitely in decks that Want to operate off of a very low land count and want to, and don't care about their life total because they are the beatdown in most of their matchups. Every deck that like uh, ticks all those boxes is going to want this these cards in them. So
0: gotcha. So we've been looking at these. I mean, they've been pre-selling as high as thirty, as low as fifteen in North America. Um, I suspect that the entry point on these, as I called out in my article this weekend, is probably somewhere in the ten to fifteen dollar range. And I think it's pretty reasonable that we're going to see these back up over 30 given 12 to 18 months. Like whenever it is that boxes of Horizon start to dry up, you're going to see these things go up.
3: Yeah, it seems to me like whichever whichever ones of these uh, get to see play in tiered modern decks in significant numbers are going to become very expensive.
0: Yeah, and, and foils should be, will probably be crazy right off the bat and stay that way. Yeah, I can't imagine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so the other the other fetch uh, or sackable land that seems like it's likely to have some impact um, certainly will be a player and Commander and I, I think has a few different homes in Modern as well as Prismatic Vista, the fetch land that searches up basics. Can you talk us through how much of an impact you think that'll have, Dan? I like
3: this card a lot, uh, and I'm very certain that it will have an impact, and I also haven't figured out where it's going to have an impact. It's a little weird because... Like... It's not necessarily a, a better card than any given Fetchland. land. Uh, and the format... It, it's, it's a little tough. I, I feel like the, the power of this card is going to vary along the lines of how good cards like Blood Moon are. Right now, Blood Moon is like very bad because the control decks are two colors. like The Lance decks are... Like, let's put it this way. Phoenix wants to play Alpine Moon instead of Blood Moon in order to be Tron because Tron's where you want... Uh, your land hate to be in, meaning that Blood Moon's like a little too slow because they're a turn three deck and so on and so forth. So, basically, how much do you want to get only basics off of your fetch lands? Is the question for this card. And right now, I think in most modern decks, the answer is not as much as you want to have access to dual lands. Got uh, it. I, I do think there's some point where this card becomes very good. I, I'm personally thinking of a like Rug Blood Moon. So basically, like a a Snapcaster Mage, Blood Moon, Lightning Bolt, uh God what's the name of the card, Tarmogoyf deck. That's a me seems mm-hmm. very powerful and gets to take advantage of this because it can get all three of your basic lands. But even in that kind of deck, it's not necessarily much better than um, uh Misty Rainforest or Scalding Tarn. So it's a little hard to say how much of a competitive impact this will have. Certainly, when it comes to like more fringe ideas
0: or like five color commander decks or something, it seems much nicer. What? Okay. I mean, the, the deck isn't top tier by any means right now, but black white Eldrazi. Ooh, yeah, seems like it would like this a lot.
3: Getting access to right, waste it gets, is quite nice. It gets
0: waste or swamp or mm-hmm. or uh, Um, and then certainly if they give us additional basic land types at some point in the future, then this, you know, gains additional equity. Yeah.
3: Likely Um, to skyrocket at that
0: point. Right. Okay. So I've heard some talk this week. People were pretty low on this card at first. Now it's getting a little bit more chatter. How about seasoned pyromancer? The two, two that allows you to, uh, dump two cards to your graveyard, Draw another two. If you for each non uh, land card that you discard, you get a one one, and then later you can pay five, I believe, to get two one ones again. How did how is this feeling to you, or what it, what is the thinking amongst your you know playtesting compadres? I
3: have to say, thank God it rummages to you instead of looting to, because if you got to draw <laughs> yeah. this card, this card would be busted. And right. fueling graveyard strategies with cards that are this impactful is always kind of. Kind of sketchy, as is uh, as someone who's played his fair share of uh, tormenting voices as of late, I can uh, attest to the fact that rummage is a dot is is an inherently much weaker ability than loot. Like discarding first is always way worse than drawing first because of the information imbalance there. Sure. Um. So, if you know that you like th- there's some decks that could want this i can imagine like it going in phoenix where you want to pitch your phoenixes or you just want to pitch some excess cantrips and your deck's really redundant but there's always um, a huge pitch, risk pitch a lava dart i i'm not really sold on lava dart
2: mostly because okay. i'm not so sure a s- that,
3: side topic yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get back there i think <laughs> fair um sorry keep going if you're if you're explicitly in a deck that wants to discard cards from their hand for some effect, like Dredge or Phoenix or some kind of variant of all those kinds of things, Hollow One maybe, then then this card is super, super, super powerful. The idea that you can have a 3-mana a 2-2 two, two that also makes 2-1-1, one, one, so you're getting a Pia and Kieran and a Lars worth of stuff off of a 3-drop that also fuels all of your discard and or graveyard synergies is sweet. And there's some extra bonus on the bottom of the card where you get to spend five mana to make two on ones, but that's like a really low... If the game goes that long. Yeah, it's a really low rate in terms of power for Modern as well, so I'm not really concerned about that ability being relevant.
0: Right. And so, I mean, the thing here is that as a Mythic, this is significantly more interesting to us on the finance side than if it had been a Rare, because the Mythics were selling at various locations for $10 or below. Yeah. and I think we can all agree that if it ends up being a four of in Phoenix or something, it's going to be a 20 to $25 card in a relatively short period of time. I would say it's
3: very unlikely to be a popular card in Phoenix. And it's way more likely to become a popular card in some kind of like hollow one deck or some kind of hybrid hollow one deck.
1: Okay a hollow on deck like not like just a, not even like a, a blue red spell type of strategy just some other essentially hybrid that we haven't seen before quite
3: possibly yeah there's a lot of cards that synergize sorry there's a lot of creatures specifically in this set that like discard cards from your hand in significant quantities this and uh, what's it called bizarre trade mage the two and a blue three four flyer the bizarre
0: bag dot on a stick yeah
3: when it comes to the play draw two and then discard three like that sets up hollow one as well. So if you get to mm-hmm. play some kind of like blue red phoenix uh, hollow one deck, maybe maybe these cards are unreal powerful.
1: Maybe we're but supposed to be in foil hollow ones.
3: That's uh, it's it's really hard to say. <laughs> the this all requires just, a lot of testing, and I think it will have to have a tournament result before it becomes like provably powerful.
0: I, I and was. It would- would you agree that the the complexity level of the set and the number of different mechanics and unique designs makes it very difficult to render judgments this early in the game? Uh, I
3: think to a certain degree, for, yeah.
0: Ver- versus the kind of complement of potential modern cards you get out of a standard set.
3: Yeah, th- that seems fair, yeah. It's also tough because we're analyzing them purely for their use in modern and there's only so many cards in a set that can affect a format as powerful as modern and then you shove a bunch of them in this set and they're all like really complicated cards with weird abilities that are like kind of throwbacks to cards that exist in legacy for the most part and legacy is really weird and different format than modern and it's just there's so many uh so many points like
0: data points thrown at you that i think are quite hard to navigate Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So if you had to put odds on whether this card is going to top 8 in the next year Uh, in Modern. I would say yes.
3: It is a very powerful card. I look at it in SCP and Kirinolar, a card that I know is very powerful, with some... Like, discard to draw to is a a famously powerful set of words in Magic. So, (laughs) like, probably. I don't know where it goes. I haven't figured it out. But this card is powerful. All right.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I was telling James beforehand that I, I'm looking at it and I saw where he had it on the list. And I'm like, I can't tell if this, if it was rare, I feel like I wouldn't really think about it in terms of like money. But as a mythic, I'm like, I, I can't figure out if this card is meaningless. Like, if I we want it to be good and it's just not going to happen, or if it's actually busted and we just haven't figured it out yet. It just seems so hard to figure that out. It, it could even be good in Dredge. Because. It-
3: it, discard to draw to is very good in dredge and uh like that's cathartic reunion has uh <laughs> has shown to us but sure. but also it, i i'm pretty sure it makes just a three mana two two that makes two one ones through a rest in peace
0: hmm. sure oh uh, yeah so the the ang- other angle of attack yeah yeah exactly there's value of the card yeah. got it um all right so moving right along uh force of negation seemed like it was real high on your list. God, I love this. Heading card. into the discussion. Do you, do you put this right in your list is this right below the lands? I mean, nothing else close. Ba- based on my understanding
3: of the card and the format, I think this is the most important card in the, in the set in terms of its impact on the format as a whole.
0: I, I will, because of its because of the ability to check whatever combo deck manifests over time?
3: Yeah. Uh, I think having God, God, I love the design of this card so much. I wrote an article about it. I I think it's great. It just lets you do so many fair or at least, I don't know, at least fair or at least reactive things that uh, the format didn't let you do beforehand. And I think that's great.
1: My buddy, uh, the guy who won the GP modern GP a little while ago, I was talking to him about this and he's a lot cooler on it. Um, you know, you have to have the other blue card. Uh, it's very specific where you're able to put it to good use um you know you can't really use it to protect your own combo unless you're going off at instant speed but you don't th- you still think that like then it, it's not that it won't be played just that it's harder to make use of it it's not like force of negation where you can just slam it almost everywhere because nearly every deck is blue anyways but, but sorry Force will you mean yeah sorry so, but you but you're still thinking this is going to be that big of a deal i don't think
3: it's necessarily that ubiquitous um but i do think that the impact that it has, where it's good, is very significant. Uh, as blue mages know, having other blue cards in your deck is typically not that big of a problem. <laughs> there are a lot of really no, So you're, good you're thinking blue
0: cards at minimum it. in blue-white control. I am this sh- is gonna play so
3: excited it. to play blue-white control with this, with this card. I, I will say this is the only card I pre-ordered from this set. Not because I think it's a good speculation at like, the 40 Canadian I paid for it or whatever, but because I want them for each. Each? Uh, it was store credit. It's yeah. not real. <laughs>
0: but the right so you're convinced you're going to end up playing it and that even if it's only posting up in blue white control the fact that deck builders have to think about its presence in the in the format especially given that blue white control has been top eighting on a regular basis this year um blue -blue white is
3: just by far the best deck in the format right now narset's an unbelievable magic card the new teferi is good too uh you're just super friends at that point and the only problem that the deck had was that it had to tap out on crucial turns like turn three, four, and five to jam their Planeswalkers. And that there was always this thread of like, oh, the opponent plays uh, Karn Liberated or something and then wrecks you. No, if you have Force of Negation in your hand, you can just do whatever you want with all these unbeatable Planeswalkers. And that's really, really good.
0: (laughs) Right. So let's skip a a couple slots down. I had Archmage's Charm in uh, seventh place. I wanted to talk about that because I know you had thoughts on you had mentioned you thought it was almost unplayable, which I thought was interesting because a lot of people have been talking this up as a uh, providing a lot of flexibility in decks that can support the triple blue. I'm already cutting
3: Cryptic Command for my deck. Why do I want to play a worse Cryptic Command?
0: So you don't think the ability to like, steal Death Shadows and other vials and stuff is anything worth getting excited about? I haven't played against Death Shadow in at least three
3: months. That's pretty much the only card I can imagine wanting to steal rather than draw two cards. I don't want to steal an Aether Vial. I don't have any creatures in my deck.
2: <laughs>
3: that's basically the summary of it. Like, the mana cost in this card is exactly as restrictive as Cryptic Command. You're not going to be able to cast it on turn three in a blue-white deck, which is the, the only deck with, like, that many blue sources in it I could imagine wanting to actually play this in. This could have, like, fringe applications and, like, taking turns and stuff, but I, I don't see this being a, a, deck, a card that's better than any existing piece for a control deck.
0: And is part of the problem that the three drop slot is now glutted with excellent cards, nurse and Teferi, notwithstanding. I think every line on this card is not worth paying three mana for.
3: Cancel <laughs> divination gain control of a one drop. No thanks.
1: Okay. Well isn't isn't that like the flexibility of the choice though? Yeah, that's that, always like that's, yeah, so,
3: that's always been kind of the caveat and, on charms, but this is also a triple blue card. So hard yeah, to it,
1: cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not like trying to stand for too much, which is like, well, okay, you're right. No one wants to pay three mana to draw two cards at instant speed in modern. But if you get all these other modes that you can do too, it's, it's, I I don't know. I, 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 it seems to me like the problem with this card and with Cryptic Command isn't that they're necessarily bad. It's that like Narset and Teferi have essentially greatly diminished the importance of instance in control decks yeah like they have heralded a new era of tap out control in modern i that previously agree. didn't exist
3: i don't want to ever be playing this card in a deck that has a bunch of planeswalkers in it because i would rather just be casting those planeswalkers i can't afford to hold up triple blue when i could be casting unbeatable sorcery speed spells also so, i mean i think, I think like, the era of counter spells being good in modern is uh reaching its end
1: well, yeah, I mean with Narset and Teferi, sure. Now in a universe without those, it seems reasonable that this card might be considerable, but like at this point sure. it's just not not worth it. Yeah.
0: But well, the other thing is we just got a really excellent counter spell in Dovin's Veto. Yeah. And, I mean, that, and that's worth hold... <laughs> <Yeah>. it. Right. <laughs> right. And so one of the reasons I told people like Charm is not a high priority target is because even if Blue White Control decided they want it, maybe they want one copy. Maybe uh, there's one in on the board. I was watching I
3: mean, Gabe Nassif's stream earlier today, and let me tell you, he only has one Cryptic Command in his deck, and I have zero.
0: So. Gotcha. And it, yeah. and and these are behind Cryptic in line. This is what you're saying. definitely
3: a worse card than Cryptic Command. I can say that 100% certainty. <laughs> this is a weaker card gotcha. than Cryptic Command.
0: So, I mean, one of the opportunities that may actually open up here is if it's a f- totally false flat in its face for modern, then it's going to crater. And then the foils get interesting for Commander purposes, because in Commander, (laughs) stealing people's soul rings, mana crypts, mana vaults, etc. nice. Is totally fine. Um, So I can see those foils being, you know, a midterm pick if it just does nothing in Modern and the price collapses completely. That makes a lot of sense to me. I don't see this card being competitive in Modern, in the format that I know, at least. All right, so let's talk about the other ridiculous blue card in this set, um, which everybody already knows is going to be utterly busted in Commander. And the question mark seems to be how whether it is cute or just incredible for modern. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Urza Highlord Artificer, the mythic with all the text.
1: I'm going to go on record as this being Urza Highlord Artificer. <laughs> Rather than uh, it's, artificer, it's very
3: brave of you to go on the record just saying something
1: so obviously <laughs> <Okay>. wrong. <but laughs> you're wrong, but sure. Artificer is the artist Artificer,
0: you can be wrong. That's fine. You can, you can believe, believe the, the lang- first time we've been wrong on this
3: cast. You can believe that language is descriptive rather than prescriptive, and still believe that words should be pronounced <laughs> the way that everyone does pronounce them, rather than something that no one, some way that no one pronounces it. But.
0: Artificer. Go off, I guess. Artificer. <laughs> I mean, I I, I said Mycosynth synth lattice like five months ago, and our Discord hasn't forgiven me yet. Yeah, so Microsoft. Lets. Anything that anything that distracts them to, towards Travis is fine by me. All right. <laughs> All right. So Urza, Lord High Artificer, is this a real deck?
3: I love this card so much. It's so cool. It has great art. It's a one four. I love one fours.
0: Has a lot of blue
3: <laughs> on it. It makes a thing when it comes into play, it makes mana, it grinds the game out with its ability, it's probably busted in a combo. Yeah, I see this card definitely seeing play, but I can't justify in terms of its modern playability exclusively, the obscene price tag on pre-orders attached
0: to it. Sure, sure This card sure, yeah. is definitely
3: a player in some kind of like fringe uh, like KCI style deck, or some kind of Thopter Sword deck. But it is very, very unlikely, especially given the thousand artifact hate cards printed in this set, in this set alone, that whatever deck Urza inevitably goes into in the fast tier one through two of modern, uh, it's unlikely that that deck will be so busted as to com- as for its like signature mythic, which will be like a three of or something, to command like the whatever obscene price tag it has.
0: Yeah, this is a a card that hype spiked immediately. and yeah. um, that needs to retrace significantly before we're going to get interested from a financial perspective. I think the foils probably will hold. Um, they'll see some pressure downward, but then people will in commander will just start snapping them off for their collections, and they'll never trade them in. And the foils are probably going to ride pretty high. I think it's well. I think they sold out like well over a hundred dollars. Yeah, and. Even if we're going to see $60 or $70 foils in the near future during peak supply, I will not at all be surprised to never see them much lower than that. The non-foil copies, I'm assuming we get a shot at them in the $20 to $25 range at some point, at which point they get, if I can get them close to 20 to get to 40 within a couple of years, and I think that's totally reasonable. It's interesting to me that in, I can see this being a Sam Black or Matt Nass deck, where they top eight something with this within the next six to 12 months. I think it's and... inevitable. <laughs> right (laughs) because the power the urza being one of the most powerful characters in the history of magic they weren't going to mess around (laughs) with the text that they put on the card it was intentionally pushed for every format where it's relevant that little
3: line hiding in the middle tap an untapped artifact you control add blue that is a line (laughs) of text let me tell you
0: well we were talking about how thran turbine took off which gives you two colorless (laughs) mana in your upkeep but Urza <laughs> can also tap it for a blue, so it effectively gives you three mana <laughs> in Commander. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're no, taking, those it, those are two any, very any card...
3: crucial words.
0: <laughs> yeah. In Commander. And, and, yeah, well, my point being that any card, that card is, has been garbage for mm-hmm. 20 years, and this okay. card is so powerful that it just turns it into basically a mana crypt.
3: <laughs> I like that the, um, the, uh, the five mana ability that plays the top card in your deck is basically flavor text, but it's also
0: probably the strongest flavor text
3: I've ever seen on a card. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Because one of the abilities is Tolarian Academy, the other one is Karn's ability. Yeah, it's like uh, a 5-5. And, <laughs> and the third one is Temporal Aperture, which was, yeah. you know, an artifact that Urza made. That's cool. So, so all, a total flavor win, art win. Power level And win. you're thinking... Right. And so at Finance, we want to see the price come down, playability high, inevitable as a combo piece.
3: Yeah, I think it's pretty much inevitable. I, I don't think it's going to be like necessarily obscene, but it's definitely going to be a thing. You will see this card in a top 8 at some point. I'm almost 100% certain.
0: Got it. All right, so let's talk about the other 3-drop Mythic card. Um, not season prime answer, but ranger captain of Eos. This card seems incredibly fair. Just such a upstanding citizen of the modern community. <laughs> Is, are, are we living in a modern era where a card like this can, can do work?
3: I do think so. I think there's at this point enough support for these kinds of cards that it will see play um, the ability to get a toolbox of zero and one mana things. Uh, it's very nice. I guess Walking Ballista, which is super cool. Um, I, I like this card quite a bit. Uh, I, I don't know if it's necessarily like particularly warping. I don't know if it's like enough for like a death and taxes deck to kind of exist all of a sudden. But I am still certain that this card will exist in some capacity in some number of strategies. It's obviously good. It's, it's got a good rate. Uh, it replaces itself when it comes to the play, so you're not like just throwing it away into lightning bolt. The um, the sacrifice ability is relevant. It's not like particularly powerful, but it's real. I, I like this card, but I don't know that it's. I, I don't feel like it's, oh, like, extremely powerful or format defining in any way.
0: Do you feel like they are, they handed us this and Giver of Runes, which was also in my top <laughs> ten list. Yes. <laughs> uh, as kind of a package? Yes. <laughs>
3: yes, and yet I think it's definitely not what you ever want to go get off of Ranger Captain of VS. I think you would always rather get a card that has a late game impact rather than a one drop, right?
0: Do you, is there a possibility of a white black death shadow build? Like, is, <laughs> is the, uh, the ability to search up a death shadow enough to somehow want to cram white in there?
3: I don't think it's worth double white right maybe it would be splashable otherwise but also when you were getting into those kinds of like four color nonsense uh death shadow decks uh they were just playing ranger vios or is that the name of the card the four mana one that does a similar thing yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah to get two of them. they're just playing ranger vios because they could then just go get two so
0: right and and also if you're playing in the jund versions you're just running traverse right yeah
3: exactly yeah, i don't see that ever happening
0: okay um, so how about Giver of Runes, you know, in a vacuum? Is is this Modern playable? Is this is this good enough?
3: Yeah, I definitely think it's playable. I don't think it's nearly as powerful as Mother of Runes, for obvious reasons, in that it doesn't protect itself. Uh, I do like <laughs> that it has a second toughness in a format where Gutshot is randomly becoming popular again in Phoenix decks. Uh, it's not random, it's very by design. <laughs> uh, but uh, this card is good. There are creature combos in Modern that are worth protecting, specifically what I'm thinking of in Devoted Druid combo, which is already kind of uh, a deck that's floating around the periphery of being one of the best decks in the format. This certainly adds a lot of power to it.
1: I like how the best deck in the format is on the periphery. <laughs> like it's...
3: Uh, I mean, I don't think it's the best deck,
1: but... <laughs> it's Well, right, because it's not blue-white. It's not playing,
0: uh, whatchamacallit, fairy yeah God I love to Well, the version I I pulled together tonight does but you know that's because well, you don't have brilliance <laughs> is not not always you know timely forefront well I mean not everybody knows what what's going on on my sweet goldfish account the <laughs> right. um I I think ever runes looked really tasty at five dollars. And there's another card that I forgot to add to this list that definitely should have been in my would been in my top ten anyway. Um, How do you guys feel about Goblin Engineer?
1: That I think makes a lot more sense in your tenth place, and Goblin Engineer should probably be somewhere in the top five, really. What do you think, Dan?
3: This this card is either broken or unplayable, and my guess would be as far as modern goes, unplayable. I have been
1: or Goblin Engineer.
0: Goblin engineer. So Would, you, think, would you say that it's it unplayable so said, until? Sorry, you said caster goblin engineer. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
3: sorry, I like, goblin I like goblin Kess.
0: engineer. You <laughs> said is unplayable. Wow. Yeah, but
3: that that's also a little bit of a, a little bit of personal preference and bias shown there.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. So do you is that because you don't think it has the right pieces yet to be to fit into a real deck, or because? And do you would you feel differently once those you know other targets emerged
3: i'm entirely it's entirely possible that there's some very powerful again like case style deck that has this as an engine but doctor sword yeah like it's good with Opter sword i guess but at that point you're a, like a what a four color deck it's kind of it's getting kind of messy again and you're not even me.
1: playing you're not even on six, the, the six color waste you've got tons of room for your base <laughs> in that
0: deck. i'm pretty sure i saw a blue red deck posited this week that was Engineer Thopter Sword or, or something. Yeah,
3: no, I, like, I'm certain that there there is room for this card, but I don't know. Uh, it just it strikes me as it's it's too fixed, if that makes sense. Like it's not welder. You can't cheat like very powerful things with it. You're doing small synergies or finding combo pieces with it. Which case it's it's not that powerful as a tutor on its own. Uh, it doesn't generate advantage on its own. It needs a, a very complicated shell, and in that shell, it's a piece, but just as a, a rare in a set that goes in one specific deck only. I don't know.
1: So you, what, so what, what you about disa- using... Go ahead, Travis. You disagree with R. Relax's thought that it's basically you know play it as in tomb, but if you're playing it as in tomb, it's very good.
3: Uh no, I think that's fair. But you have to have a reason for Artifact and Tomb to be good. Which I, I think is definitely... Yeah, definitely a rare
0: reason. And you don't think Trash for Treasure or Refurbish or any of that nonsense is enough?
3: What are we really getting into play with? What are we cheating into play? Like what? Worm, worm coil and... Paradox pe- Engine.
0: Pe- people <laughs> have said Platinum Imperion, <laughs> uh, whatever, the seven eleven Shroud. We can get platinum and carrying into play for free already with
3: uh, oh god I can't remember the name of the card but
0: whatever the four Mad mana Capit sorcery experiment. is, yeah, Mad is Capit Capit. Experiment. yeah Yeah, we can already yeah. cheat that into play
3: that's not good so
0: well
1: so
3: I, I, again I see this as like a piece with like Thopter sword or something not really as a
0: so, a so you think this skill. is going to be tier 2 tier 3 and then maybe one day a couple of pieces show up that they didn't test that's around this card and that seems more likely to me than not yeah yeah that's the way i look at it too i mean i see this as being fantastic in commander and i think that because the cost basis of this set is twice what a standard set is a five dollar a card like the goblin engineer in a standard set as a five dollar rare you'd be looking for it to come down to two or three but five dollars seems very reasonable to me if it's going to be at minimum solid in commander and potentially has a home in modern because if it does both at once at any point top hates a modern tournament while it's good in commander then it becomes a 10 or 15 dollar card virtually overnight
3: yeah that that makes a lot of sense to me it it definitely seems like a a bit of like a brewer's paradise card so it's worth keeping in mind
0: right um all right so the only other one that made my top 10 because i've moved a couple out here as we've been talking um unsettled mariner a changeling taxing effect that can fit into almost any tribal strategy that can handle white-blue. Does that ring your bell in any way?
3: Sorry, I don't have this card pulled up, and I'm trying to find it.
0: (laughs) Sure. So I'll I'll read it out. It is... uh, Let me see, I didn't have it in front of me either. Unsettled (laughs) Mariner, white-blue, 2-2, Changeling. Whenever you or a permanent you control become the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless its controller pays one yeah so people were talking about this like maybe in merfolk maybe in spirits <clears throat> maybe in humans because it's a human oh are the merfolk people talking about a card from a new set that it will break merfolk and
2: finally
3: <laughs> make it <to> one? <laughs> oh damn well let yeah. me let me break the bubble for you this won't what about be humans,
0: it though <laughs> what about humans uh is this
3: really better than anything that humans has already the the strength of thalia isn't really intoxicating uh specifically removal spells, it's taxing literally everything. It makes it almost impossible to, like, cast Teferi. It makes it almost impossible to cast uh, Wraths. Wraths cost five instead of four. Uh, it makes Cantrips out of Phoenix cost two. It makes Gutshot cost mana, even. Like, I mean, this one, I guess, makes Gutshot cost mana, too. But that's not the point.
0: Uh,
3: already... It's a
0: worse Thalia, and what slot does it take? It's a way it worse Thalia,
3: and what are you cutting? Kind of... Right. As is every like two drop in humans has a very specific purpose and is very important for the deck functioning in some way. And yes, this is a good card. Is it good enough to go into the decks
0: which would want it?
3: And the one of the tightest
0: that. lists in the format. Yeah, exactly. I I don't think so. Okay. Um. All right. So on that. I mean, on that basis, I. I mean, I could see merfolk ad- adopting it to some extent i could see spirits i could see and because it's a changeling we could see it some show up somewhere else but i, I suspect that it will be on the sidelines for a long i
3: guarantee time. You that i will play against this card in a merfolk deck in the next six months and it will be wrong
0: and i will win anyways
2: <laughs>
0: fair. <laughs> fair enough all right so let's talk about some of the stuff that is you know some people have been excited about but is definitely a tier below most more or less everything else that we've talked about Echo of Eons has people pretty excited and has been, I think, either, I don't know if it's first or second most expensive card in the set right now, but people are pretty stoked about flashing back a Time Twister from the yard. Do you have any thoughts on that? The
3: idea that you can flash back a Time Twister is really, 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 really nice. Especially given that there is a thousand cards in this set that uh, let you discard cards as like a An added bonus to whatever's going on in like season pyromancer and trade wind, sorry, bizarre trade mage and stuff. So you're left with this thing where you have to find a context in which sorry, in which time twister is good. And we haven't had access to time twister effects in like competitive constructed formats for quite a while. At least not ones that are good. People are like adding days undoing to their like set to fairy piles and stuff, but
0: yep, I I'm in that. I have a I'm very hard board. time
3: evaluating this because there is a fundamental tension in this card where Time Twister shuffles your graveyard into your library, and the good cost in this card being flashback demands that you have a deck that in some way allows you to put this card into your graveyard or otherwise interact with your graveyard. So there's kind of a Nombo printed on the card itself, which is kind of as expected to get an effect as powerful as Time Twister out of it. I don't know where this card is good. Uh, it's powerful. What it does, what you're able to do with it is good. I can't think of where it would be good. Storm doesn't want this. Storm doesn't want to have to add a way to put cards into his graveyard. Does like, taking turns want this? I don't think so. That looks like not even good.
0: What? Where does this it, go? It, it feels like the most obvious home is the janky brew that Conley's been running on stream lately, right? The thing with Commandeer and and uh, narset and lore broker and all that i can't lie to you that i don't know what that is
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so basically like
0: you you narset lock them and then cast days undoing or whatever other nonsense or lore lore broker so that you're getting all these cards and they never are and then you commandeer whatever they do so all right they try to cast some sexy planeswalker or you know something out of tron or a teferi or whatever and you commandeer it. Is that really
3: better than just narset and teferi's puzzle box
2: yeah
0: no yeah yeah um is it sweeter hell yeah yeah i mean it's it's still time twister right how bad can it be well we've had one million
3: fixed time twisters over the years and certainly most of them are pretty bad so
0: flat given that we're in a faithless looting format so long as looting isn't banned isn't just looting into time twister a thing if you were playing like some new shell like counter burn or something i have no idea
3: counter burn has never been good and will never be good i have to tell i have to tell myself that over and over again sorry uh, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise my it daily mantra otherwise every time i hear hear the word it it starts it begins
1: <laughs> you wake up and palm slam a vhs in your VA, vcr chronicles of Riddick and remind yourself that counter burn isn't good um just <laughs> look at a now place the the, the the rule the ruling on this and correct me if I'm wrong. If you cast Echo of Aeons for the the six mana cost, it is still in your graveyard after everything has happened. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Because it says shuffle their your hand and grave. So everyone shuffles their hand and graveyards, yeah. but it's Echo not of in your graveyard is on yet, the right? stack
3: while that happens, and we'll go with the graveyard afterwards.
1: Okay, so really, you could you do get to run it back twice if you pay the upfront cost definitely if you find for whatever a that's six worth man
3: time twister is good this card is unreal
1: <laughs> well you're right and i don't think that happened i don't think that exists and i don't think it's going to exist anytime soon
0: but so this is like an interesting puzzle right it's a, he- a super high power level if the deck manifests that wants it it will be a 60 or 70 dollar card if, if something ever showed up that was top 8 with this and wanted to have four of them this card will be astronomically expensive. Yes. But we're thinking so far, no shell really wants it. There's a bunch of jank at tier three that will fool around with it, but that you're not expecting to show up at top eights anytime soon.
3: I would like to test Storm just casting this, but it it's unlikely that it's better than passing and Flames and certainly you can't play both. So.
1: Mm, yeah, passing Flames is a pretty high bar to clear.
0: So financially, we're thinking then stay away from hope that it falls flat on its face and that somebody makes it good two years from now and get in while they're cheap.
3: Yeah, that seems reasonable.
0: All right. So how about the combo? Let, let, let me put a few cards together here in kind of a package. I felt that there was more... There's a lot of sub-themes going on in Modern Horizons. One of the ones that I felt like they pushed a lot of cards all at once was lands in your graveyard. Like, great... Green-red land recursion was a defined theme that they, they called out. And two cards stood out to me as potentially uh, pulling it together for modern. One was tectonic reform- reformation, which lets all of your lands cycle for one red and cycles itself. The other was renin-6, the two-mana planeswalker that lets you recur get lands back from your graveyard and deal little pieces of damage here and there. Th- does that stuff feel like... do you see anything coalescing there into a brand new deck? Or do you think that's FNM funzy deck stuff? I think we'll,
3: people will try it, and I will honestly be surprised if it ends up being very good. The, the problem with all these land synergies is that there really just aren't that many lands that are worth playing around in this in this format, if that makes sense. Land, space, decks, and legacy always got away with the fact that there were cards like, like Wasteland, cards like Ith, cards like Tabernacle, cards like Caracas.
0: That all have very important They were basically on spells them, on, modern, on land cards.
3: You're kind of stuck with a much weaker set of lands that do things. And so you have to play a bunch of then cards to make your lands do stuff like uh, Seismic Assault or the new Bear Seismic Assault. Uh, for. No, sorry. Ayula's I- Influence. Discard a land, make a 2 2 for Triple Green. Right. Uh, and these cards are cool. They're powerful. They're grindy. But. They are slow. They don't end games very quickly. They're basically trying to out other fair decks, I feel. And that has, in the recent history of Modern, not been a winning strategy. So.
0: Right. Spinning, spinning your wheels with a bunch of combo pieces that don't do anything more than spin more wheels doesn't seem where you want to be in this format. Exactly.
3: I like the idea that Ren and Six is like a two-mana planeswalker that generates card advantage when coupled with, like, cycling lands or whatever, but... Like, what are you doing with it? Like,
0: <laughs> what's the payoff? Yeah, how
3: are you winning the game on turn four? Or stopping your opponent Got- from winning the game on turn four? And the answer is neither, really. So,
0: yeah, and, and a green red land recursion deck is going to have a little bit of trouble interacting. Yes. <laughs> given the lack of discard or exile uh- effects or counterspells. I imagine it would have to
3: be Jund with like Thoughtseize or whatever, but. This just doesn't seem as good as going Bopsy's use with Liliana of the Veil.
0: Okay. Um, Here's a card I bought a whole bunch of cheaply in Europe on the basis that it's probably terrible right now, but might get there one day. Planebound Accomplice is the sneak and show uh, variant for Planeswalkers. Two and a red for a one-three. For one red, you can put a Planeswalker card from your hand onto the battlefield and sack it at the beginning of the next end step.
3: Well, the Sorry, go ahead go ahead so the deck's called sneak and show because it has both sneak attack and show and tell what's the other effect that does this
0: right so when you build around a a singular effect on a maximum of four copies of the card if you don't draw this card what else does the deck do it has a
3: bunch of nickel boluses and whatever (laughs) you're just playing absolute garbage with one three that has an ability on it right
0: also, you're only getting you're, mi- you're missing you're missing the Gorio's Vengeance puzzle piece. Yeah, you're
3: also only getting one ability, like one loyalty ability, off of each of these Planeswalkers, right? Like if it's Ugin or whatever, sure, that's really powerful, but like I don't know, this is not a sneak attack. You're not putting Ember Cool the Aeon's Torrent or Gristlebrand into play off of this. So,
0: and I think and I think the reason I bought a whole bunch was because the addendum to that is dot 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 yet. This is the kind of card Wizards is not going to play is not going to design around moving forward. And eventually they're going to give us a bunch of busted nonsense and one more kind of like piece of redundancy, something else that has a similar effect, at which point it will become some kind of janky like meme deck.
3: They do love inevitably doing that kind of stuff. So
0: yeah. So no chance in modern in the near future is the general consensus and we'll see 3 or 4 years from now. Were I a gambling man,
3: I would bet against it.
0: Got it. All right, so moving right along. How about Merit Lage's Slumber? I feel like this falls right into the same kind of camp. <laughs> that they're setting us up for a whole bunch of snow permanents, and if they never deliver them, then this never gets anywhere. God, I love this card. <laughs> I love
3: this card so much. I think it's bad, but God, I love it. <laughs> Something makes me so yeah. happy about getting to play, like, it reminds me of like a search for a scanta, except instead of winning you the game, it makes you a twenty twenty that gets bounced by your opponent's to fairy, and then you cry. But
0: <laughs>
3: oh god, I want to do it though.
0: <laughs> it's interesting because I, I think people are probably sleeping on the first ability as being like not realizing that that's actually a fairly good ability. Like you scry as soon as it comes into play, and then every time you play a snow permanent land or otherwise, and your whole deck is probably snow permanents. It is you, a whole scrying lot. Scrying some more. Yeah. I just don't yeah, think yeah,
3: that. It, it 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 in and of itself is powerful enough to really kind of justify it right now.
0: The simplest analysis being that ten permanents on the board at all in modern. Yes. You know how many how many games involve that?
3: What are you gonna do? You're gonna have what, like seven snow basics in play, mirror, of slumber, and then two of the, uh, uh, God, what's the card called? Uh, ice Fang collateral. The um, the yeah. green blue
0: baleful Strix yeah. thing.
3: Right. Like, I don't know. That's just like not realistic. But I want to do it anyways.
0: I mean, they did give us the one mana uh, cantripping artifact um, that helps know a little bit. Sure, but. Uh, but I would rather <laughs> just play Ceremonitions, <laughs> I think. <laughs> big, huge stretch. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, Merit Lady Slumber, just as janky as playing Accomplice. How about crashing footfalls in as foretold decks? and other ways that you might want to cast it for free is the is the fact that the rhino four four rhinos don't have haste enough to knock it off the potentials list i would say yes i I actually do like this card but not for the reason of it
3: being good in like an as for told deck i don't think you actually want to cheat this card i think the purpose of this card is in some fairly controlling strategy that happens to have green in it for whatever reason uh and being able to cast
0: it on turn one and then just do stuff and then oh here's my win condition like so are you talking about like green black rock running like four of this and four thoughtsies no i mean some
3: some more like
0: blue green deck
3: do, uh, <laughs> do you, yeah i didn't even know those existed no I, I mean well obviously it'll have white for path or red for blood moon or something but so do th- you I think th- the deck for this card doesn't exist yet but it is a powerful card.
1: So when you say you don't see it, you don't really think of it being cheated, do you mean like As we're Told, or do you mean like you don't even think Bloodbraid Elf is interested in this card?
3: I guess it's powerful to Bloodbraid Elf into it, but I don't think you want this card in your Jun deck in general. Sure. Because uh, every card in a Jun deck you want it to be powerful in the abstract, right? It it, it isn't a synergy deck, it is a, a disruptive mid range deck where all of your cards are individually powerful. This yep. card is powerful individually, but not in a Jun deck, if that makes sense. Right. You can't yeah. wait for a turns for your payoff. Yeah, maybe you can, but probably not. That's not what modern is like right now. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. And Th- that's roughly what I think, roughly where I was on it, is that it's a it's a fine card and it's a role player, but it doesn't seem like it's a, a huge deal. Um, and I, I think trying to cheat it is too much work. If you want it, you generally want to play it fairly or maybe cascade into it, was my read.
3: I want to play it in my nonsense team or Blood Moon deck that I keep threatening to play.
1: <laughs> threatening who? Yourself?
3: Hell yeah. Note that you can't cast this while there's a Teferian play. <laughs>
0: Just saying. I hate everything. Yeah, yeah and so the, the thing... About this card from a financial perspective is that it's not going to be a big commander card so it really needs to hit in modern and be a thing before I'd want to be owning a bunch of copies. I would not buy this magic card. Until I needed it for a deck. Then I would buy it. So so one of the (laughs) other themes in Modern Horizons that got a ton of new support is slivers. Um, And it felt like they gave us at least three or four modern playable slivers that upgrade the deck. Did it upgrade? Does something like cloud shredder sliver giving flying and haste on two, upgrade the deck enough in your eyes to make it a, like a legitimate contender versus the other tribal strategies, like humans with all their disruption or bant spirits or whatever else people might be trying I, to run these days. I have a very short answer for this.
3: Uh, no.
0: Well,
3: I'll, I'll also that
0: like, yeah, I don't know. Um,
3: so the problems with with, uh, with Slivers as opposed to the other tribal decks that are successful, specifically humans and uh, spirits, yes, this is a slight of Merfolk that is not a successful deck,
2: um,
3: <laughs> is that uh, humans and spirits have significant disruptive elements to them. Humans in like cards like Thalia or whatever, uh, Meddling Mage, being able to... Uh, like kitesail freebooter and then put a second one to play a phantasm image or with uh, spirits the ability to spell color things and being able to like collect a company and spell color or whatever slivers has none of that they get to play things to the board have <clears throat> them sometimes be very difficult to deal with or have them be sometimes be very powerful but ultimately they are just not disruptive enough and as a result, will forever be relegated to being weak. And none of the slivers in this set, I feel, change that situation in any way. And certainly not significantly enough to make them playable.
0: Right. We but got that- a couple of things that give them a slightly faster clock or ease their mana requirements a bit, but nothing that adds that disruptive element. Yeah. I,
1: I am... Uh pleased to hear that because that was my read as well that it's just that he, the reason humans as a tribal deck does so well is it's so disruptive um and the other tribal strategies are lacking that and it's the same issue i think that goblins has too right is it's a little too they have a, they have some utility there but it just doesn't seem like the tribe carries enough weight to do other things and punch people and it kind of does it slower than the other ones too
3: yeah, the Goblins deck is just like 8 lakh honestly, and none of these cards are like important in 8 lakh so.
1: Yeah, which is really not even a Goblin deck, it's just a deck that people play Goblins in.
3: Yeah, it's a deck where all the cards happen to be Goblins because of like flavor design and the history of Magic.
0: Alright, so Sliver's probably still in the back burner. Um, how about Hogak, Arisen Necropolis? Is this something you can see Dredge running copies of? Uh, I have to find this card first. I don't remember what this is. This, this is the big giant creature oh, yes. that you can't spend mana on. You yeah. have to delve and Convoke to get it out of the graveyard.
3: I love this card. It's a super cool design. Putting Convoke and Delve on the same thing so you can't spend mana to cast it. God, that's super cool. I love it. I don't think it's playable. At least not in any deck that exists at the moment. Uh, Dredge is the closest to it, but what Dredge is looking for out of its like flex slots at this point isn't cards that are just blanket powerful like an 8-8 trample is even if the 8-8 trample is like fairly easy to cheat into play
2: dredge isn't looking for that what they're
3: looking for at this point are cards that solve problems that dredge has specifically dealing with graveyard hate, dealing with like fast combo or whatever
0: uh right right so if holgax had a text line that said while holgax in your graveyard your graveyard cannot be exiled, or something. I mean, then it would be unbeatable in the best card in
3: Dredge, yeah. <laughs> but but cer- certainly, the problem with Dredge right now isn't—it's uh, not very good at putting large amounts of power into play on turn one and two. Like, that—that's not the issue with Dredge right now. Dredge already wins linear games better than any other. Like deck that plays to the board. So, doing that, doing more of that is not. Not what the deck wants to do. It's not like it can, like, replace uh, prized amalgam or something. Like, it doesn't get to do that. It it would have to be in addition to the suite of cards the deck's already running.
0: So And so the thing here is, if it doesn't make it in, make it in the dredge list, it probably doesn't make it in any list. Exactly. I don't know see this card and see
1: you play. My, I, I want to chime in here because I think this card is, is cool. I don't think it's amazing, but I think it's cool. Um, but it seems to me that you could... Pro- you know, if you think of it similar to a Gurmog Angler, right? Gurmog Angler, you're you're usually trying to pay one for. Occasionally, you might pay more than one. But it's generally a one mana five, five. And there's a deck that... There's like more than one deck that wants that, and there has been in history. And now you have essentially if you assume that you're always going to max the the delve on this guy, which you can do if you're playing a deck that has reason, a a high amount of churn or some, a couple drudge dredge effects, you're, you have to delve six cards. It's the convoke two. That's a little harder, but an eight, eight trample is pretty significant, right? And that dodges two of the main big three removal spells. It can't get pushed or bolted. Um, It can't abrupt decay it. Uh, You can still pass it, of course. So, I don't see that, like, taking over a format, but, like, a deck that plays, like, a, a bunch of, um... Uh... The Hollow Ones or an effect like that, I, I would imagine it, want, it might want in one or two, maybe even three hogox right? Like, because you're just going to have a ton of cards in your graveyard, and you might ha- And if you're playing any Monodorks at all, like, it's not going to be hard to put this in the play.
3: Let's put it this way. What kind of cards... In, in, in decks, like, outside of Dredge, what kind of cards... Uh, Feed your graveyard in modern, in decks that are played. It's stuff like Thought Scour and Cantrips and uh, s- spells, basically, non creatures. And what cards do you need for convoke creatures, uh, specifically black or green creatures, not even like Snapcaster Mages or blue creatures or whatever. Th- there just is no deck in modern that has uh, both black or green creatures and fills this graveyard at the speed necessary for this card to be good. The closest thing is Hollow One. And there's only blood gas in that deck that can cast this. You would need, need to have two blood gas in play. I, I guess sorry, There's also Grim Mag in that deck, but I guess you have to like again. You have to like cut some of the creatures in that deck to find room for it. And it, it, it's just not realistic. I think ever having this card be routinely castable at a pace that is reasonable enough for it to be good.
0: Right, it, it's and in just... something like and in Death Shadow, for instance. you want your shadow swinging not tapping to put hogak into play
3: yeah yeah exactly i think any deck where you'd want this you don't have two throwaway creatures to play if if suddenly there was a a a deck where like Seder wayfinder or something was very good then this card would be sick but that deck doesn't exist because all of the supporting cast is like hideously unplayable
0: okay all right all right so moving right along just a few more to go through how about kaya's guile um, this is the uh, 1 white-black instant, choose 2, each opponent sacrifices a creature, exile all cards from each opponent's graveyard, create a 1-1 one, one white and black spirit creature token with flying, and you gain 4 life. Entwine 3, so for 6 you get all 4 of the above. Does this have enough utility to be something that a deck will want in Modern?
3: I think this card is definitely playable. It does uh, a bunch of weak things. And uh, usually, when you do enough weak things, it becomes good. I I, I do like this card. I don't know where it goes. Like maybe it's like a one of them like Esper for control or something. Maybe it goes as one of them like Absan. the The real problem with this is that the removal mode, like the stock, kind of the stock mode on like this kind of card, is an edict, and edicts are not particularly good in modern at the moment. Like there's a lot of kind of throwaway or recursive creatures.
1: This seems, at least, that the that it could change. Not that it will, but there there could be a modern where that's good.
3: Yeah, for sure. I really like that it's a a, a modular safe card that you can play in your main deck that has a graveyard hate on it. I don't like that that graveyard hate costs three mana.
2: Mm-hmm. It's,
3: it's a little bit too slow for the graveyard interactions that currently exist in Modern in, say, Phoenix or Dredge.
0: And given that it doesn't have any specific synergy that entwines with other cards, most likely, it's probably one or two of main, maybe a one, just a one-of in a sideboard in a lot of cases. Yeah, I
3: can see it going in some kind of mid-range deck's sideboard as well, because uh, Game 4 Life is good against uh, Burn. Like, this card's quite good against Burn, honestly. It's, it's like a better Lightning Helix.
2: <laughs>
3: uh it has some utility against graveyard decks. Yeah, like th- this is a good card and it does a lot. It takes a lot of boxes in terms of what kind of things you want a card to do in modern. But it suffers from the removal part being a little bit weak, I think.
0: It's pretty pretty solid in commander. You know, getting rid of everybody's graveyard obviously matters when there's three opponents. Each so I would part. imagine that the play here is probably foils when they bottom out. I would agree.
2: Okay.
1: They should have just made it cost one less.
0: Oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs>
1: wow. Well,
3: that card would be so sweet. Why did they just do that?
1: Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. Was With so everything. Fun. You could
3: snap cast for it back.
1: Whew. Oh hell yeah. This is this is a this is a, a candidate for uh biggest power increase if you reduce it the cost by one. It gets so yeah. much better at two mana. Yeah.
0: Alright, well t- speaking of cat snapping things back, how about cast dissident mage in like a Grixis spells show? Please continue to say things like that.
1: This oh, yes. this can't be good, right? Like, this can't actually be good.
3: So people were doing it in Legacy. It wasn't right, but people were doing it.
1: People do a lot of things uh, in Legacy. Yeah. Uh, people will pay $80 to do things in public at a Star City Open. <laughs> I have been known to do such things.
3: <laughs> I love this card. It is very powerful. Getting to Snapcaster every turn is sweet. Uh, But... Big butt. That kind of stuff is not good in modern right now. That kind of like grindy Grixis control stuff. The, the problem isn't that Kess is, is bad. The problem is all the decks that Kess would want to go into are bad. Uh, the cantrips in modern are weak. It's not like you get to brainstorm every turn with this card in play. Uh, removal is only good in a couple matchups. And uh, it's not like you have cards like him to act to flashback this for value. Instead, you're like casting Thought Seizes. And if you already have your payoff in play, your thought seasons are probably pretty weak. What I do like about this kind of stuff is uh, the degree to which you can grind someone out with Kess. If you ever end up in like a grindy mirror, this card's going to be unreasonable. But that's just not what modern looks like right now. Yeah. It could in the future.
0: Yeah, And yeah. this card
3: is powerful. It's a powerful magic card.
0: Can, but, can we agree that if this had shown up in a standard set? Oh my god, yes. The, the, this would have been the hallmark of an excellent standard deck oh yeah yeah all right so just you know grixis control just not really where people want to be right now is your name How Corey about... burkhart if <laughs> not you probably shouldn't play this magic card
1: <laughs> P- people have been trying to make I'm... grixis work in modern for so long i guess they had grixis delver right they did get they did get that moment that was playable
3: i played grixis control at the star city games invitational <laughs>
2: Sorry not, for your not loss the greatest, Not the greatest
3: decision I've ever made There was a Oh my god what did I do There was a, a Glenelendra Archmage in my main deck I that's did a, not win You had a lot of
1: fun that day I think you had a lot of fun You were the true winner I
3: went 4-4, four, four, did not day 2 And then I lost the finals of the open
0: <laughs> Side event Murderer, if that's me, you know Alright, so Arya of Flame two a red enchantment when it comes to the battlefield each opponent gains 10 life that seems counterproductive but whenever you cast an instant or a sorcery spell put a verse counter on aria flame then it deals damage equal to the number of verse counters on it to target player or planeswalker can can a deck like storm or mono red phoenix use this as an alternate win condition I this on the w- back of things like Gutshot and lava dirt yeah, Faith is looting, I think this is way better in Phoenix than it is
3: in something like Burn. But at the same time, I hesitate to think that it's necessarily better than Pyro Ascension. The only reason I would like it over Pyro Ascension in Phoenix is yeah, the fact that it doesn't care about Graveyard Hate, which is pretty right. nice. Uh, this looks like some kind of like a yeah, it looks like a Burn card in the history of them printing a that are meant to make Burn better that are obviously like not good in Burn. Um, but I do like the idea that it pays off having a trillion cantrips in your deck. So th- there is a possibility that it is play uh, like a playable sideboard card in
0: Phoenix for
3: playing around graveyard hate.
0: Sure. Okay, uh, a card that didn't make my list that I may as well throw out there since it's uh, a mythic that some people will probably misevaluate. What about Hex Drinker? The 2-1 snake for one that levels up. You have to level it up twice, so dump three mana into it to get a protection from instance four four. And then at level eight, protection from everything six six. I hate
3: that this card's a mythic. Just before I get into anything else. <laughs> I hate Savannah Lions at Mythic.
1: <laughs> well, sure. Wasn't uh, this isn't uh okay. Okay, go ahead.
3: This card's fine. It's like pretty powerful. The problem with uh, I think the big problem with it is that by the time you're leveling it up to three and giving it protection from instance, it's well after your opponent has already killed it with an instant, and after you've already probably invested at least two additional mana into it, because level up is a sorcery.
0: Right, so they fatal push in response to you wasting three mana on it. Yeah,
3: or bolted or whatever, yeah.
0: So it tends to trade down, which is not where you want to be.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: What I do like about it is
3: that it's a huge mana sink that you can... uh, get off of something like rage or captain of So that's like pretty cool. But I would say that it is unlikely that this is a competitive modern card.
1: There was, uh, somebody on scarcity writing about it today. And I, I didn't read the article. I just saw that he was saying that it was better than we think it is. Um,
3: Which is? Uh, I think think it's unplayable, so it probably is better than I think it
1: is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I guess like I'll I'll, I'll be the bad guy here. The I'll be the snake charmer and say, you know, I I think the 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 level up mechanic being sorcery speed does make it difficult to really abuse it in modern. Where all the good removal tends to be instant speed, but it's you know if you're playing a green deck and you know I played enough modern to have plenty of turns where I have excess mana that I didn't have a lot to do with, and it doesn't seem like it. It's just hard to like okay, you know, put your chips like I'm going to play several threats. You're probably not going to have all that removal, and eventually. I might get a chance to throw a couple mana at this. while well, you don't have an answer in hand yet. And then if this ever does get to level three, well, now it's a nightmare to deal with because almost everything you'd use to remove it is a instant. The exception being like your Planeswalker bounce spells. Those are going to be pretty brutal. And that alone could be what keeps this from being more playable is just the, the ubiquity of Planeswalkers that could answer this.
3: I'll just play a Throne.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. I don't know. This this sounds so, like I mean, a lot of conditions for this card doing
0: being a four four, yeah. Which is and and we, not great. And I guess like part of this is that when Tarmogoyf was a good card in modern, <laughs> this might have had more of a chance. I mean, well, yeah, Tarmogoyf isn't even good right now. What is this doing? <laughs> well, it, right.
1: this almost actually seems like it'd be terrible if Tarmogoyf was good because it would lose to Tarmogoyf in a fight every single time.
3: Yeah, until yeah, you spent help. nine mana on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. All right. And by
3: the line... time
0: you spent nine mana, is six, seven.
1: So. <laughs> they played seven of them.
0: Yeah. How about this? Didn't make my list, but what about Dead of Winter? Three mana sweeper, and all you got to do is be running snow.
1: Well, yeah. Why don't you like that card, James? I think that card's legit.
3: I think you have to have a lot of Snowlands in play for this to actually be a Wrath of God in a lot of matchups. Like, uh, if you're playing it against humans, then it is very likely that, uh... Oh god, what's the card called? The Champion of the Parish. The Champion of the Parish is going to be more than a 3-3 by turn 3. Uh, you really have to think of this card, I think, as more of a uh, like a Pyroglasm, really. it's like an Anger of the Gods kind of effect, rather than as a Wrath. And... Uh, black actually just has damnation in this format. You don't have to kind of mess around with uh, other things. So, I see no particular reason to play this.
0: Gotcha.
1: It's one-sided. Cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it's one-sided if your creatures or are snow creatures, snow except fun. there are no good black snow creatures. Yeah, there probably aren't so either.
3: Maybe if you're playing uh, a Sultai snow deck with Icefang Coatl, then... But but yeah, I mean, do, I, but you shouldn't and don't so.
1: You don't like the new Battle tricks.
3: I love that card, but don't do it.
0: <laughs> I have the suspicion London, that... please not with uh, not with this card. <laughs> I have the sneaking suspicion that there's a snow set forthcoming in the next couple of years, Ooh. and that all of this is just set up to get more snow cards because this snow theme just seemed very scattered and random. So
1: what do we tricks. think? What do we think are the standard plans? It's snow ninjas giants uh am i missing any
0: no, no i don't think there's ninjas coming in the fall i think that you're going to get an asian themed set in the next couple of years uh, well i said, i think i that, didn't
1: say the fall but i did say i think ninjas are a plant for a future standard set
0: definitely like they're, they're going to go back and do another asian themed set the and it could be kamigawa or it could be some other plant the Wanderer seemed to be like an indication they were headed in that direction. The snow stuff, though, and the giant stuff seems to be a setup for like Kaldheim, which is the plane that you might, we may or may not have seen Garrick art related to recently that could be Viking themed, whether or not that's his fault.
3: I understood some of those
0: words. <laughs> <laughs> like Garrick the Relentless didn't show up in War of the Spark and has a kind of Nord- Nordic look to him in the first place. And Kaldheim is a plane that was mentioned in an old Magic video game and that you can find a Wikipedia page for <laughs> and is clearly a Norse themed plane, which we've never done before. So whether or not we're getting that this fall, we don't know, because there's such a product avalanche going on that they haven't even announced the fall set yet. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's all just super s- suspicions until proven otherwise. Super speculation. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that jumped out at you as being relevant for modern? I I just want to
3: talk about Ice Fang koatl because it has the text when it comes to play draw card on it. Sure. And uh, those are very holy words to me.
0: <laughs> well, and, and if I'm right, if there is a snow set and snow coalesces into an actual deck, then Koatl could go through the roof because if, if it had two or three more good snow cards in modern, then you might actually have a deck. I think the thing with
3: this card is you can kind of get away with just playing it off of Snow Basics alone. If there is some value in playing some kind of, again, like team or moon deck, this card's pretty nice. It immediately replaces itself as flash as flying. It's just like super low impact just to play. Uh, you can play around uh, Narset with it by playing it on your opponent's turn. It pressures Planeswalkers. Uh, it is just Baleful Strix with flash once you put three basics into play, which is kind of the thing that, uh, generally speaking, a blue moon deck
0: would want to do in the first place. I like oh, this does card this make your, Does this make your top 10 list as most likely to top 8? It makes my top 10 list. Like,
3: in terms <laughs> of my, what I want to play a top 10 list. <laughs> okay. Top 10 most powerful cards in the set? Eh, let's not go quite that far.
0: What about Eladomri's Call coming into Modern as a instant speed tutor that you can, like, tutor up a Vizier Remedies at the end of your opponent's turn?
3: Yeah, I, I think this, I think it's a pretty impactful card. And it will almost definitely see play. Uh there are enough kind of creature combos again in modern that it's like very likely that this will see play at some point in one of them i'm not sure if it's better than the cards that uh devoted druid combo already has access
0: to uh like, collected company and cord
3: yeah even like eldritch evolution just just things that like immediately put them into play
0: gotcha uh, and now of course so. we have Neoform for the deck yeah the exactly. mana bases that can support it yeah but there is also a chance
3: that Armor's Call is good for getting like weird creatures or stuff. Like you, you can also get a Fairy Macabre with this as like some graveyard hate in a pinch. Like this card's very good, so
1: you can tutor up Emrakul, which most you of the can. other ones can't.
3: Could in fact tutor up Emrakul if you would like to. Yes.
1: Which I mean, through the breach is a card, so like it seems like there's a possibility well, somebody will care.
3: That's, that's a lot of colors at that point, but
0: well, did, did you?
3: And yeah, Naya breach has been played. You could you could play in like a Naya breach deck uh, with uh, uh, like Falakuts and Primeval Titan. It's not like too unreasonable. It gets Primeval Titan.
0: That's real.
1: Yeah, I hadn't thought about Primeval Titan.
0: So I, I didn't how about <laughs> how about super janky Astral Drift with Siege Rhinos? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you want to do it. You just yeah, know it's not going to happen. No, I, I don't, I don't you want to do know it. Know who you're like, to. To you are talking to?
3: Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> he I likes... want to play
1: ice fang coattail. <laughs> he want, he likes anime. He doesn't like cool cards like that. He wants to play yeah, exactly. uh, divination. I want
3: to, I want to put snow creature anime snake in to play a draw card. <laughs> and then on top of it, blood moon, which is also an All anime. Right. I've decided
1: <laughs> blood moon is an anime. Blood, blood moon <laughs> could, could be you heard it here first, folks. Could be an anime show.
0: Yeah. All right, so one last card I wanted to flag. Winding Way. It's only a common, but that seemed like a pretty pushed card. That's the one that lets you um, choose creature or land, reveal the top four cards of your library, put all cards of the chosen type revealed this way into your hand, and the rest into your graveyard for one and a green sorcery. Yeah, it's like a sweet popper card, right?
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> it. You see
0: there being a mostly creatures deck that just uses this for card advantage?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I see people play, combo. like, lead the Stampede in this format somewhat regular. Okay, not regularly, but, like, I see them, like, Elves decks and stuff randomly, and this is probably a better version of that card, so.
0: Yeah, and an Elves yeah, sure. deck this probably draws three, right? So, uh, yeah, maybe two. can help you find a
3: land if you need it. It's, like, it's a good card. Uh, I don't think it's so good that you want to just jam it. Like, if you're playing Druid Combo or something, you would rather play Alladamry's Call than this card every time.
1: It does seem like the type of card I, I think it's 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 very powerful, but well, this effect would be warping and standard might not be quite probably doesn't have the. The chops to keep up in modern where you're generally not playing sort of dirtily spells like this in a deck that's trying to do the things this card wants you to do.
3: Yeah, I, I think this card is unlikely to be relevant in modern.
1: OK, um, is there anything you think we've missed?
0: Aside from
3: Icefang Coadle, not
0: really. <laughs> All right, so like, let's go over our top 10 here, and I'm going to leave a slot open for you to fill in with one card that you think might deserve it. The Canopy Lands, Prismatic Vista, Season Pyromancer, Force of Negation, Urza, Ranger-Captain of Eos, Giver of Runes, Unsettled Mariner, and Goblin Engineer.
3: I think it's worth spending a second to talk about Lightning Skelemental, not only in that its name is extremely cool, but um, it, it's ball lightning with, with lightning attached to it, and that is a powerful effect.
0: And uh, you can you can cascade into it with our 3-2 hero. Yeah, I suppose you
3: could bloodbraid into it. I, I don't think that a bloodbraid deck is where you'd want this card. I think you want it in burn. But this is a powerful magic card, and uh, if your opponent does not have removal or blockers, which is like a rarity, then uh, I don't know. It's a pretty substantial number of things for a card to do. It's like lightning bolt, lightning bolt, mind rod. <laughs> it's, it, I
1: mean, it's the, I mean, when you, it's the blightning theory, right? Like how many blightnings can you put in your deck? There was blightning, and then Flores wanted you to play sidraxus Specter because you'd <laughs> play it, they'd bolt it, you would unearth it, and then deal the three damage and make them discard a card. So yeah. it was in effect a blightning, and now you can play a Lightning Skalamancer, which is. Like a blightning, two bolts uh, and a blightning. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's just you know how many how many blightnings can you fit in one deck? I don't know, apparently, all of them. Uh, I
3: I don't think this card is likely to affect the format in any way, but it is definitely a playable that we haven't mentioned. So.
1: You know, what, you know, it might be good with it. Seance.
2: No. <laughs> all right, let's wrap it up.
0: I think we've done a pretty decent. Uh, stroke of Justice to the Modern Horizons Opportunities for Modern. I'm going to be very excited to see how this develops as time goes on, and which of these cards end up top 8 that none of us expected to. Um, perhaps as the result of additional pieces of the puzzle manifesting in the format. Um, Daniel, thanks for joining us. We'll ho- hope to have you on again when we get to Core 2020, which will be four days from now. Oh god. <laughs> it is so soon, isn't it? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Though. It's like... <laughs> previews is like in two weeks for that Man, set that's a lot a lot Previous. of magic <laughs> <laughs> so well you're going to be you're going
1: no you're not going to the pro tour till the fall right as Barcelona.
3: no it's in like two months it's actually pretty close it's end uh, end of oh, july
1: oh okay it's the next pro tour oh that is the next pro tour wait is yeah. that the one that wait isn't there isn't one of these pro tours modern but modern horizons isn't legal at the pro tour
0: uh, that's no. the one that just happened. Okay, yeah,
1: that's right? the one that just happened. Yeah.
3: Okay.
0: Everyone was that speaking was, that about was, Modern the, Horizons. But. It wasn't Modern Horizons. It wasn't legal. It was War of the Spark was the draft, but it wasn't All legal right. in, in Modern. That's
1: what it was. That's what it was. Wah, wah. Right. Oh, my God. Very,
3: very smart.
1: <laughs> well, that means we'll have you. We mo- will probably have to have you on for Core 2020 before then. Yep. Okay, yeah. so we'll, we'll check in What's with your up? modern testing then and see what you think of the format at that point. All
0: right. And then he'll lie to
1: us like every other pro. Yeah,
3: yeah. All to pros are sandbag liars. Sandbag his good decks. Yeah. let me tell you secrets from uh, secrets from the.
0: <laughs> from He's going to be like, Waddle has liars. been very impressive in testing." We're going to be like, "Oh wow!"
3: Yeah, but there is a chance I actually believe that. In which case, you should then not believe me. But <laughs> we're going to be so confused.
0: <laughs> All right, where can people find you online, Daniel?
3: Uh find me on Twitter at Torrentu. I write at magic.face2facegames.com
0: every week. Uh, yeah. That's about it <laughs> all right you guys can find me on twitter at MTGcritic critic as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com and constantly haunting the mtg price pro trader discord
1: and i am travis allen i'm on twitter at wizard bumpin b-m-p-i-n and i write every monday doing the watchtower series on mtg price
0: i'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com pro trader service For just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money. Playing Magic the Gathering. I should also point out that prices are actually going up this week, so next week those prices will be different. You have been warned. Um, I should also call out our $25 uh, credit giveaway from Cool Stuff, Inc. That is going to Connor. Connor in our discord uh, hangout channel tonight congratulations to user connor
1: once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc. Where you can find all sorts of cool stuff in stock, including the best Magic: The Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use promo code Finance Five during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save five percent off your order and support support this cod part, this podcast. Where you can buy <laughs> cards like Urza, Lord High Artificer. Uh, that brings us to the end of episode. 171. Uh, Dan, again, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, And James, it was a
0: good time as always. And I will see everyone next week. Thank you, Travis. We'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.